21 of the Busted Limes podcast, the first episode of 2022. As usual, I'm your host, Paresh Maharaj. Uh, Black Belt will not be joining us this time around. He has got his own exciting things going on behind the scenes. But for now, I've got the next best thing, my good buddy JD. Hello, I'm back. Third time's the charm. <laughs> Three, third time may be the charm, but it's not enough times. So we need you to be there for hundred times, buddy. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, but I will. <laughs> yeah, because... I, I, but, but um, I do want to mention. I did the math, and overall, like of all the recordings that we've done, this is going to be our tenth episode together. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't know. My, my I think my mic is picking up a little bit, but um, Smoke is currently on my bed right now, and she's playing with a new toy that she got, and a she new toy. likes to make noise. I say new. It's like a week old, but the thing and the thing is about to die. It's it's a it's almost gone. Oh. It's almost gone. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, well that's what happens when you get uh, small kittens' uh, toys. They want to utterly destroy them. Within a within like a day, and <laughs> she does that very well, <laughs> as cats do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of cats, uh, cats show up in oh. uh, and in a couple episodes of the show that we're talking about today. Yeah, the subject of our episode for today was actually a suggestion from JD himself. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix's or rather Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. So I get to do it finally. I'm talking about it. I'm so happy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, JD, you know I love you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you so you know that I when it, when I say that I don't think that this show was for me, um, I've have enough. I've built up enough goodwill to you know that there's no like <laughs> audacity here or like no material uh-huh. there. Yeah. Because uh-huh. yeah, because yeah, I don't think the show is for me. I mean, the fact that you at least that, that at least you don't say like, "Oh, this show sucks," and you just say it's not for me. Yeah, I respect yeah. that. I respect yeah. that. I, I'm I'm so happy when people say when 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 people do say that because I try to say that as often as I can. In that you know, if if I just if if I don't like something, I try not to. I I don't like to say that the thing sucks because. Mm-hmm. You know, I just realized that, you know, this thing is just isn't for me. You know, well, other people will enjoy it and that's fine. Uh, but the thing isn't for me, you yeah. know, and this is the, it's the situation right here. Like, I love this show. This is, in fact, my favorite show of 2021. Uh, yeah. This was one of my favorite things that came out last year. Um, but the, but but not at all the case for you. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into this uh, as we as the episode goes along. But um. But yeah, um, although it wasn't for me, I still there's still a lot to like here. I see the appeal, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know what? Uh, just to, let's just jump right into it. Um, get, you know, uh, how about you give like a little plot synopsis over what Midnight Mass is all about? Yeah, I'm going to be as vague as possible because that is how the show likes to go about it. Um, it likes to be very vague, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the beginning. Um, and by the beginning, I mean when it was announced and the teasers were dropping. Um, like I actually still haven't even seen the official, like the first official trailer. I've I've only ever seen that first teaser. Um, 
and but I knew I was going to watch it because it was the new Mike Flanagan show on Netflix. So exactly. I knew I was going to watch it. Um, because I okay, so I want to ask you this before we get into the show, which I'll mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say right now the show. So essentially, the show is about a man named Riley Flynn uh, has been released from prison and he returns home to Crockett Island, population one hundred twenty seven, and at the same time. A young, charismatic Catholic priest arrives on the island, and a lot of fuckery starts to go on. <laughs> a lot of fuckery starts to go on. Um, and that's essentially the, the setup for the show. It's a seven, seven episodes. Mike Flanagan, uh, he developed it. Uh, he directed all, all seven episodes um, and either wrote or co-wrote every episode. Um, also edited the entire series because he also edits everything of his own of, of his. He does. He, that's what he do, That's what he do. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have to ask you, Paresh, uh, yeah. by getting into this episode, um, how like how familiar are you with the work of Mike Flanagan? Okay, so the works of Mike Flanagan that I see, I started my Mike Flanagan journey with uh, his adaptation of Gerald's Game, which I love. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and then from there, I watched Dr. Sleep, which I also love, because it mm-hmm. reached in, just uh, found the exact nerve to touch, and it touched it. I don't know why I said it like that, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it touched it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, after, and then even after that, I watched his, I think it's his... Yeah, I don't think Hush is an adaptation, is it? I think it's his own original... No, it's, that, that was an original film. Okay, yeah. then, yeah. But, again, another thought. I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Have not seen Haunting on Hill House yet. So, this was... Okay. Midnight Mass was what I watched after those three movies. Gotcha. Okay. That's so interesting. So, like, I... So, I'll, I'll talk about my Mike Flanagan journey here. So yeah. my introduction to Mike Flanagan was uh, what would be considered his breakout film, Oculus. Oh, I didn't know that was him. That was him. Yeah, that uh, that was uh, it. Was based on a short film that he made, um, and that short film got made because he was not able to adapt 1408, the Stephen King short story, which event- which got made into a film with John Cusack and Samuel Jackson. Uh, and because he couldn't do that, he just said, well, how about I do 1408, but instead of a hotel room, it's a mirror. And that's how we got the Oculus short film. And then that inspired the feature film that he made, uh, which he made following his uh, his Kickstarter funded debut, Absentia, which is a it's a solid debut. It's fine. Um, it's, it's nothing, I, I don't, like, I, I, I would, th- I, I believe Flanagan would agree that it's, like, nothing to, like, rant and rave about, especially considering the work that he's put out since, um, but for being a, uh, like a, like a debut that was funded by Kickstarter for a first-time director coming off of editing for reality TV shows, um, it's, pr- it's, it's pretty solid, and, uh, and after that, I then I then saw Hush. I actually watched it early 2020. It was when I first saw it because it popped up on Netflix, and I think it's still mm-hmm. on Netflix. It is. Uh, and he, yeah. And it, it, and I highly recommend. Honestly, like every Flanagan movie, I highly recommend everyone check out. Uh, mm-hmm. But then after Hush, 
Yeah, after Hush, I kind of fell off the Flanagan train just because, like, I I just wasn't watching his stuff. Um, but all of his, but the thing is, like, all of his stuff was still kind of on my radar. Like, Gerald's Game was on my radar. Doctor Sleep on my radar. The Haunting of Hill House on my radar. I just hadn't got to, gotten to those things yet. And then Midnight Mass was announced. And I thought, you know, I th- and and at the same time, I started listening to the podcast, The King Cast, a podcast that I think I recommend to literally everyone. Um, mm-hmm. It is a Stephen King focused podcast uh, hosted by Eric Vespi and Scott Wampler. And it's the two of them having a really like a celebrity guest every episode mm-hmm. to discuss a King property. And yes. they have become really good friends with Mike Flanagan. He's appeared on the show multiple times now. Uh, in fact, the first time was to, to discuss 1408. Uh, and and they've had a ton of people. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani, Guillermo del Toro was on very recently. Michael Kennedy, the screenwriter, uh, the co-screenwriter on Freaky. Uh, and I believe uh, this, like the last episode they just did was um oh it was uh they had tom lennon on to talk the shining which this is i think the the fourth shining episode they've done yeah they, they, they're not like fables and reflections and mm-hmm. that you know it's like 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 deep diving into one property on that one episode and, that, and then you're done uh no they mm-hmm. they like to bring in people all the time to discuss whatever the heck they want and they go deep into the king lore like a couple weeks ago they discussed the rage carry Two. Uh, <laughs> oh my god which they came out of that episode going like the movie is not bad it's kind of it, it's like it can be kind of fun it's 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 a it's like it's a mediocre late 90s slasher teen mm. like teen slasher so whatever um I have yet to watch it, but the thing is, they haven't steered me wrong yet, so, you know, oh, I'll get to that. But anyway, back to Flanagan. <laughs> this is not mm-hmm. about the Kingcast. But anyway, like, like listen to that podcast, like, maybe want to go back and, like, watch all the all the Flanagan stuff. Um, because being friends with them, they're all, like, before becoming friends with him, they were already massive fans of his. And that got me to finally dig into his, like, dig dig into the more, more of his films. So I finally watched uh, his Ouija prequel, prequel, Origin of Evil, which is very good. Um, I finally read Gerald's Game and then watched Gerald's Game. It's a great movie. Um, yes. And I was tr- I was holding off on Doctor Sleep because I actually did want to read the book because I'm trying because like. I if if you know me, uh, listeners, mm-hmm. I am I'm a big Stephen King fan. Uh, he's one of my favorite writers. I have, uh, ju- I think I have literally e- like everything that is readily available in print. I have it. Um, I'm currently sitting in front of my Stephen King shelves. Uh, there's a little Pennywise plush over here uh, guarding the Dark Tower books, and. <laughs> So I wanted to read the book, but I just decided, you know what? I don't care. I want to watch Doctor Sleep. So I bought, like, I, I went, I bought a digital copy of Doctor Sleep, and I sat down and I watched the three-hour director's cut, and that is one of my all-time favorite movies from now on. I can, in fact, when we when we wrap up this episode and and when we say goodbye for the for the for the day, I'm probably just gonna sit back down and watch Doctor Sleep again because I haven't watched it in a while. Um, okay, and by a so, while I mean it's been a couple of months. Yeah, so you mentioned the three-hour director's cut. I've only seen the theatrical version. So, <gasps> oh yeah. boy, you! I I really want you to watch the director's cut. It is yeah. a it it is it is like it is an altogether different beast. 
than the theatrical, which which I'm gonna which this is coming from someone who hasn't even seen the theatrical yet. I'm going off of what they what what like Flanagan talks has talked about how like so what's great about doc, about the the director's cut is that it's actually broken up into chapters. Good. Uh, so there's actually like chapter title chart, and he even said like he's like I wanted this to feel like you were like watching. It, it, it wanted like it give you the feeling of reading a reading a novel, but you're actually just watching the movie, and mm-hmm. it is a and the thing and the thing about it being three hours is that it does not feel like three hours, or yet it does feel like three hours, but it is a beautiful three hours that, right? You know, I I I, I just I I love Doctor Sleep. In fact, like we could have done a Doctor Sleep episode, and I would have been ecstatic. Uh, uh yeah. Because yeah, and, I, and, and and we would have had a ton of fun because you actually because you you genuinely love that movie just as much as I do. Oh yeah, um, and I read the book. Maybe one, uh, yeah. So uh, wait, you haven't read the book yet? No, I have. Like I, oh, you I, have. Okay, yeah, I I read the book before I saw the movie. Yeah, so I know of the big changes that they made. Um, yeah, I I know of that because there and actually um I then I highly recommend uh you check out the episode they they did on Doctor Sleep on the King cast with uh Lewis Peitzman. Uh that's a really good episode. Um they are, and, and and they get into like how they all have very different feelings on the book itself. Like they all love the movie. Mm-hmm. Um but like Eric Vespi uh liked the book when he first read it. I forget exactly how he felt. Um however the um the other host, Scott Wampler, actually disliked the book so much that he never finished it. Ooh. Hmm. So when he go- went to go see the movie, he was like, he's like, okay, I like Gerald's game. I like Mike Flanagan, but he's really like, like he he's like pushing it with this. So I don't, so he was like, he, as he put it, he was ready. He went into that movie ready to hate it. And then he came out of Dr. Steven. He's like, I don't know how, but that movie is great. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's and good. uh and, and and yeah so like this is all to say that i i genuinely think the world of flanagan as a filmmaker i really do i and like and, and like so the only thing of his i haven't watched uh fully is the haunting of blind manor the the follow-up to hill house which has nothing to do with hill house mm-hmm. uh, it's just another it's it's, an, it's another ghost story set in set in a big house um with a great cast of characters uh i'm i'm still haven't finished that one but uh, I, I, you know, you, you say you haven't watched Haunting of Hill House yet. I highly, highly recommend Hill House. That is an inc- like, I honestly, like if you didn't like Midnight Mass, I actually think you, you might, you, I think you will like Hill House. I, I, I do think oh, yeah. you will like that one a lot. Um, and, and also Hill House, I will say, um, there is, that is one of the two time. actually, no, that is one of the three things, uh, horror things in which a jump scare actually genuinely scared the shit out of me. Oh, nice. Yeah, the the other two times being um, Insidious and Sinister. Those are the only other horror movies that have had jump scares that genuinely, like, got to me. And The Haunting of the Hill House has the one that got me the most. Um, and on top <laughs> of that, it is a creepy show. It's also basically a family drama. Uh, because yeah. like the way I like to th- the way I like to think of Flanagan is that he he likes to make uh family dr- like like a lot of his stuff you could describe as family drama made with the techniques of a horror filmmaker the horror of family drama yeah 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 I see exactly what yeah, you're saying that, that, yeah yeah 
Yeah. Because that is all over Midnight Mass. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I guess now is the time to get into Midnight Mass. Um, so, so how do you want to go about talking about this show? Okay. So I do have like, I have my notes right in front of me um, for each episode. Mm-hmm. Of course, varying length, but uh, you know what? I've got all day today, so (laughs) how about you? (laughs) Four-hour episode? Let's go. Fuck yeah. All right. So, um, oh, so 18 minutes into our recording, um, I guess this is a good Mm -hmm. time to drop a spoiler warning because I don't want to hold Massive spoilers. Yes. Massive spoilers. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to dive, we're going to dive deep into this. So, uh, so, but if you just want to... brief recommendation i say yeah give it a shot like don't let what i'm about to say about the show discourage you there is a lot to love here so yeah check it out yeah and if if you have tastes that align that 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 align more with me um i wholeheartedly recommend the show i try to rec- i've tried to recommend it to everyone who i think might enjoy it um, however, this time unfortunately backfired, but I'm still excited to get. Um, uh, but that just makes me more excited to get into this conversation. Right, right, right. Because um, just well, one last thing before we move on is just um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I still finished the show. Like I didn't just give up on it in the middle. I yeah, you didn't rage quit yeah. on it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And man, wait till we get to the last two episodes because <laughs> oh, that's got some good shit in there. Yeah. So, JD, uh, you mentioned that our story starts off with this guy who got out of prison. Why was he in prison in the first place? <laughs> uh, he was drunk driving. He went into the other lane, hit another car head on, and killed the teen driver of this car. This this teen girl. Uh, she died in the. In the in the wreck, uh, he is then sentenced to uh, at the, in the he's sentenced to four to ten years, and he does wind up getting out after four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm uh, I'm assuming that, that that his charge was vehicular. non-voluntary vehicular, vehicular manslaughter. Yeah, vehicular manslaughter. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It w- w- would non-voluntary be be a part of that, or is it just straight up vehicular eh, manslaughter? It's it's not considered involuntary if you because we're assuming that he. Of course, they don't go into much detail on on, on it for pacing issues. But if just lawyer brain gears turning here, um, I assume it was still considered voluntary because you voluntarily got drunk. Like he wasn't forcibly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so if you were yeah, voluntarily... Yeah, it's not, it's not intoxic- like you were yeah. forced into the car by someone at gunpoint. Uh, exactly. Or, and then, yeah. Which I feel like, at that point, that would be in- involuntary. Yeah, because it's duress. Since you was like, you didn't want to yeah. be in the car, you were being held at gunpoint. Right, duress, yeah. Oh, yeah, by yeah. the way, this is that's how the episode opens, by the way. <laughs> yes, uh, our, our first shot is the ichthos symbol on the back of a car, and we are seeing... Uh, uh, the 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 flashing emergency lights reflected in this little ichthos uh, symbol uh, stuck on the back of a, of a car, which I'm going to assume is uh, is maybe his car because before he enters prison he is Catholic uh, yes. and he emerges from prison an atheist, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which we, which we dive into uh, in, in 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 this first episode. We already get into uh, into yeah. why he is an atheist and and how and and his feelings on that. And um, 
Dude, no, no, well, one little highlight that I want to point out is um, mm-hmm. the minute that the, I love it when a show is able to just tell you what it's about with just one like five second clip. And here it's when he's uh, he's sitting on this on the curb with the cop checking him out and he's praying. And then the guy who's checking him out just tells him, he's like, hey, while you're talking to God, ask him why he lets the drunk assholes live while the kids die. I'm just like, oh, yep. it's that kind it's of that show. Type of show. Yeah, which I also want to point out. Um, I I I I, uh, I don't know if you were able to read it um, before we started recording, but I sent you an article that was written by Mike Flanagan after the show came out. Oh shoot! Uh, I don't think I did. I'm sorry. It's okay, uh, but I do believe it, it helps put uh, puts the show in 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 con within context more, uh, being that this show is the most personal thing he's ever made. That definitely comes across. Yeah. yeah, and by that I mean the fact that Riley is essentially young Mike Flanagan because uh, he he has talked openly about his uh, battle with alcoholism. He in fact uh, his uh, he actually discusses on um, back to the King cast. They're actually uh, he um, the King cast. They like to do uh, for their Patreon. They do uh, they do film they do film commentaries once a month, and back in November I believe was a commentary track for the director's cut of Dr. Sleep with Mike Flanagan. Because there never was a director's cut for either... Or there never was, I'm sorry, there was never a commentary track for either cut of the movie. Um, and in that uh, in that commentary, he mentions that it was during the filming of Dr. Sleep that he decided to get sober. Uh, in fact, it was exactly October 18th. It was the day um, The Haunting of the Hill House debuted and he's like so he's like he's like i got we, we i got home from filming we watched uh we did like a watch party of the first episode of midnight mass and i decided i was going to quit drinking and also fun fact that is mm-hmm. the same that is the same uh he has the same sobriety anniversary as stephen king oh wow yeah it just huh. it just happened that way like it, he reveals again so this was uh october 18th 2018 when that when he decided to get sober so then a year later 2019 uh before the release of dr sleep he he uh emails stephen king and says hey i just want to let you know like today is my one year anniversary of sobriety um and it's all thanks to you know to like the making of your book into my movie and stephen king says it's funny today's also my anniversary but of course his anniversary has, is like from he started he, like he got sober in like 1988 or something like right. that. right something like um, that yeah yeah i forget exactly when it was but but it's the same it just happens to be the same day and i like these like to me like flanagan and king are so intrinsically tied and it's not just the fact that flanagan has made two of the best king adaptations but it's uh-huh. also the fact that I like I believe that Flanagan is the film equivalent to Stephen King. Uh, yes. I remember back when we talked about The Green Knight, I, I said David Lowry was the film equivalent to Neil Gaiman. I want to walk that back and say no, not David Lowry. It's Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro is the film equivalent to Neil Gaiman. I want to ah, you know, correct yes. myself on that. Yeah, agreed. But here I believe that Flanagan is the film equivalent to King, and one of the reasons one of the reasons I really think that is that Flanagan. Uh, you know, his horror it stems from the characters, and it, and and really, well, like his movies, his stories focus on 
the character. They are all character-driven stories. Oh, yeah. And then the horror comes from deep, like, like deep-seated fears that he has already, and then he just, like, blankets these stories in these fears. Yes. Um, and uh, and we Midnight act- Mass has a, has a healthy dose of that. Yeah, and honestly, we see the Stephen King influences pretty much right off the bat after Riley gets out of mm-hmm. prison. Um, Because we're then introduced to, shoot, what was the name of the island? Crockett Island or something like that? Crockett Island. The Crockpot. Oh, the Crockpot, right. That, that is actually what they call it. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and I also love that, that they have a potluck and they call it the Crockpotluck. Yes. This is the, it's so the, cute. It, yeah, this tiny little uh, island town. And mm-hmm. th- it's... That's that's actually the majority of this first episode is just showing you around the town and how and just making it feel lived in and real, which is a very Stephen King thing to do because you look at books like Cujo or It, and they 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 all take place in this sleepy little town that gets rocked by this shit that goes down. Yeah, which in fact, there are like I I do want to like at the end of this episode I I do I do have a kind of like a little list of like if you like this show there are some king titles that I want to like recommend to people but I'll, I I want to leave that to the end of the episode to like have like a little recommended reading list for for listeners who may not have dive and may not dive into into king like you and I have because I know like you you have also read plenty of king uh, yourself yeah uh, I'm just now reading Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I still need to read that one, and I'm I'm so happy that I actually do have, I my my paperback copy is like a cop is like has like the original paperback cop cover from the '80s, so it's got nice. uh, Zelda the cat above above the cemetery on it. It's such right. a great cover. I really yes. miss the 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 old paperback covers from the '80s for Me for too. not just Stephen King books, but for all horror paperbacks because mm-hmm. like they just were they were so much better. They were just so much better, right? right. You know, like the covers today are—they're fine, they're serviceable. But like, I really wish we had those painted covers again. They were really, mm-hmm. really wonderful. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah, I think this show is—I mean, and to be honest, this is almost this, this is Flanagan. Even though he's not adapting King, this is him at his most Stephen King. It's him really, absolutely, off of King and 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 taking yes, and and even and the thing the thing I love is that it's not just him. There are actually like specific actors who were also pulling from King things. Um, Kate Siegel, for instance, who plays Aaron Green and uh, is also a creative partner of Mike Flanagan, as well as his wife. Um, oh, Kate Siegel is. Yeah, Kate Siegel is the, is the fucking cool. She, like, she actually, um, well, she was also the star of Hush, and they wrote it together uh, when they were still dating. Nice. Um, they they got married. They got married after after that movie got made. Um, yeah. Um, but so Kate Siegel and and she herself is a is a big Stephen King fan as well. Uh, she's been on the King cast, talking about plenty of titles. Uh, but something that she that that pertains to her pertain to her character, she took a lot of inspiration from a book that I'm still in the in the process of reading, and a book that I that I mentioned uh, I mentioned to to you and, and uh, some other people in, in one of the discords that we're in, uh, the mm-hmm. book Rose Matter, um, which Rose. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, Rose Matter is a book about a woman named Rose Daniels who is trapped in in an extremely violently abusive relationship. Uh, until one day she decides she has had enough and she is leaving, and unfortunately, the 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 man that she is married to, uh, who is a cop, 
uh, has like almost this supernatural ability to find people. And so, so the book essentially is the process of her staying in hiding and trying to build a new life for herself while her abusive cop of a husband is trying, is trying to find her and she has to and and she knows that he's going to find her so she uh goes on this very uh harrowing journey to discover something inside her that she never thought was that she never knew was there um but something that it but what's what's really interesting about rose matter is that in fact it's on the like the the paperbacks that are out that are like readily readily available now uh like there is a like a line from the book on the back of the cover and it's um actually hold on let me i'm gonna very quickly mm -hmm. since i'm standing in front of the bookcase i'm gonna grab it real, grab my copy real quick uh the line is what woke her up was a single drop of blood no larger than a dime and essentially that what that what that was was that she's staring at her bed and she sees a drop of blood and she rem and she's remembering that that drop of blood came from uh from her husband uh beating her the night before and that and, and it was that drop of blood that tri that, that triggers something inside her and then like the first part of the of the first chapter is her entire thought process of leaving of like you know of like there's that part because like you know there's that there's the part of her that is saying no don't leave because uh you know be, because like we like we like we we've never been out like we don't go outside we don't have friends we don't have a job we don't have anything outside how are we going right. to survive but there's the rational part of her saying like no we need to leave this is wrong and we need to get out doesn't matter like we will find a way we will find a way to to, to survive because we're right. stronger than that we are like like i am strong i rose daniels am a strong person and i'm going to get out of here and i'm going to survive and wow. kate siegel took that and used that type of backstory of uh, of this 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 woman who has been abused uh for for so many years of her life and has decided no i am going to take my life back and i'm going to survive and i'm going to thrive as a human being and in the case of aaron in this show i'm going she's not only going to thrive as a human being but she's also going to thrive as a mother because she's pregnant at the beginning of the of the show uh Yay. and i i love that i love that you know not just flanagan is take is like he's like he's diving deep into the king well uh, of stories like Salem's Lot and and Needful Things and Revival, but even you know the, his collaborators are digging into the King Well and and trying to find the inspiration there to fuel their like what they do as actors and as 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 a collaborator. Going back to this to the small town of, of the Crockpot, um, what I really love most about this is that it is so easy, and this is something that a lot of writers to a pit that they fall into if you ask me is uh they over romanticize just how poor the town is whereas mm -hmm. this one there's a scene where riley's talking with his with his mother and she explains how the town got that way which the way that i have it written down in my notes is just capitalism with three explanation exclamation points and oil with one explanation exclamation point yeah, it, that's, that's, that's literally what what it is. It's is a giant oil sp like this is a fi this is like this is a fishing island. This is a this essentially it's a fishing village, 
and these like this island thrives off of the fishermen who who work the seas and there was a giant oil spill uh, and and that ties back to uh to the character on this show that we hate to fucking hate Bev Keen um yeah Parish, <laughs> tell me how much like on, on a scale from like one to ten uh mm-hmm. one being the lowest ten being the highest uh how much do you fucking hate Bev Keen? Okay, let me preface this by saying that I really hope that Beth Keen's actress like doesn't catch like Joffrey levels of vitriol for this because that's not no, fair no. To her. Samantha Sloyan yeah. is like she, like she's actually like she's a like a yeah. a like a regular collaborator of Flanagan's. She's 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 a fantastic human being, and she is thankfully getting no hate for for her character's actions because okay, you know, good, thankfully, good. Fl- mo- like I was gonna say like ninety nine point nine percent of Flanagan fans. Uh, understand the separation between art and the uh, the art Person. and the artist. They like understand this. Like you know, an actor is not the character that they portray. Yeah. Um, but please continue. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna be straight up. It's a straight up ten because this is the Beth Keat is the type of character where what makes her even worse is that you she's the kind of bad person that you know someone like her. She oh ex- for sure. Beth Keen's exist, the and mm-hmm. that self-righteous, hypocritical woman who just uses religion as the way to convince herself that she's a good person is just, but like oh yeah, I'm just kind of skipping ahead a bit here, but um, there's a scene where in the in the school where Rahu Kohli's character is talking to her. And I want to get to this scene, and I want I want to do a dive deep on the scene, but but let's let let's let's put a pin in that scene because I want yes, to come exactly. back to that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so all but, there, but yeah, that is. Yeah. So we're gonna put a pin in that, listener. Just so you know, we're yeah. gonna come back to that scene because that is a whoo. That is a scene. Like there are <laughs> there are scenes, and then there are scenes, and that scenes. is the latter. <laughs> yes. But, um, yes. But actually, so, yeah. when watching the show, and I was first introduced to her, I immediately said, "Oh, that is a straight up Stephen King character." Like she was ripped from the pages of a Stephen King no- of like of like an eighty Stephen King novel, like right. no question about it. Because, uh, and 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 this is and um, you know I think this is kind of a springboard for us to discuss the show's uh, relationship with religion. But, uh, the the whole thing about Bev, and actually this is really like related to uh how like King's view on religion. So he uh, King King uh has been very vocal about his disdain for organized religion. Uh, it's written all over his text. I, I can, there is only one, uh, like person of like, like when I say person of faith in this context, I'm talking about people who are actually like, like deeply tied to an organized religion, whether it Mm -hmm. is a priest pastor, uh, and uh, some, someone who is like, uh, someone of like, like uh, for lack of a better term, a man of the cloth, because um, usually, whenever he is discussing these characters, it's us- it is usually a man. Um, it, w- right. Whenever King writes these characters, um, right. like a man of the cloth, and I can only think of one character out of all the books that he's written, only one who is not an absolute fucking scumbag. Um, and the one I'm thinking of is Father Callahan from Salem's Lot because he's not a scumbag. It's more th- it, it, in, it, instead he's actually he just lacks. Uh, he he's very weak in his faith. 
Um, mm. There's a there's actually there's a scene in Salem's Lot where he's going up against uh, spoilers for Salem's Lot. It's a vampire story, um, but yeah, he's going yeah, up yeah, against yeah. the vampire, and he holds up his uh, his crucifix to to ward off the vampire, um, but it doesn't work because he's lacking because he doesn't have faith. Um, right. And then later you have the young boy Mark Petrie using a tiny using a small crucifix that he got off of his uh, Universal Monsters toy set. And because, but because he does have faith, because he is like he like he believes that this is going to do, ward off the vampire, it does. It actually works. Uh, so so King has really no problem with religion in and of itself. He's talked about how he does believe in God, uh, mm-hmm. but he has a deep disdain for organized religion because, you know, and so every character who is tied to an organized religion in his in his work. They are these greedy, awful, just bottom of the barrel scumbags, and they yep. lie and cheat and steal mm-hmm. and murder and will do anything they can to just and use religion to attain all the power that they can and act like they are the most and and they are the most self righteous pieces of shit. Right, and exactly. everything that I've just said. Is Bevkeen to a T? Yeah, yeah, it's our whole character, honestly, but which is not a bad thing because, who boy, did this show need a character like that just to have, uh, just so its plot could progress? Because we'll get, well, you know, absolutely, yeah, yeah we'll put, we'll put, we'll put uh, another pin in that later for, like I said, the last two episodes. But yeah, um, I mentioned Rahul Kohli's character, who's um. Yeah, add him to the list of only good cops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which, good lord, the when when he explains, uh, when he explains his backstory, when he when, yeah. when he sits down with, with Sarah Gunning, I believe that's in the second to last episode. Is second when, to last. Yep. Uh, yeah, when he he explains to Sarah Gunning, uh, why he won't launch a like full investigation into the because. Um, this I, and, and I think this is when we're going to begin to this uh, show's relationship with religion because it it, it is the show. This show is all about um, us as people and our relationship with religion. Uh, mm-hmm. And he gets into that episode about how uh, about why he took the position as of sheriff on this island, uh, this island that that again. The population, as stated in the first episode, is 127. Yeah. Teeny That's tiny. It. That's Three it. Numbers. 127. Yeah. yeah, there is there is a school that ha- that has like you know a handful of teenagers and some and some children, um, and there's a few That's families and 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 maybe and I want to say like at like at most like ten fishing boats, and that is yeah. like their ma- that is their major income to the city. Yeah, and the town doctor lives with her mother. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff's office, not the police, de- not the police precinct or department, the sh- the sole sheriff's office that has one jail cell is in the mm-hmm. back of the general store. <laughs> Just to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and and also like we're, we're talking about all, a lot of the actors. Like the cast is incredible here. Yes. Like we have. Like, like there are a lot of first timers uh, in the world of Mike Flanagan. Um, I we mentioned Riley Flynn at the, at the top. He's kind of like he's our 
he's he is our main character starting it with the show right uh riley flynn played by zach guilford who a lot of people will, will probably recognize um he played um good lord i'm blanking on his name uh he played he, he had a major role on friday night lights uh oh. that's that's what a lot of people know him for um and then uh the other the, the like the other major character in the show uh who has never been in a flanagan thing before hamish linklater who plays father paul hill um hamish linklater who i really know as as a comedic actor i first knew him as uh julia louise dreyfus's brother on the new adventures of old christine if y'all never mm-hmm. watched that show it is a very fun sitcom and hamish linklater is very very funny on that show uh as is the the as is clark Gregg, who plays christine's ex-husband who she is still very good friends with it's a it's a it's a really good show and also portrays um you know two two people who uh who you know were in a divorce and they're still friends they still have a healthy relationship it's it's nice to watch watch that um yeah and then we also have just like a lot of returning actors for flanagan i already mentioned samantha sloyan who plays uh bev keen kate siegel uh as aaron green rahul coley who was in a haunting of bly manor he's here as uh, sheriff of Hass- sheriff hassan uh mm-hmm. and one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite returning actors for uh for flanagan henry thomas who does as he, play? Uh, he is riley's father ed Ah, ah. So I want to ask you. Uh, I want to ask you, Parish. Uh, uh-huh. Do you recognize the name Henry Thomas? It sounds familiar, honestly. Do you want to know what movie put him on the map? Yes. E. T. Oh. Yeah. Oh. He is the main character in E. T. I'm actually blanking on his name in E. T. Uh, oh good lord God. what is his name uh but yeah he was I he mean, was the kid in et uh he was also the kid in cloak and in the cloak and dagger movie uh yeah that that cloak and dagger that was a movie uh he played a young norman bates in psycho 4 the beginning which is in that is a good movie the psycho sequels are surprisingly good and i mean all for all three of the psycho sequels are surprisingly good uh he also hmm. plays leonardo dicaprio's friend in gangs of new york and is very good um Ooh. and then he just hooked up with flanagan and has been has been killing it with him like they he played the uh the principal of a calf of a catholic school in ouija origin of evil uh he was jesse burlingham's father in gerald's game he was jack torrance in dr sleep oh that was, was really him? good that was him as as oh. lloyd the bartender slash yeah, jack torrance yeah, jack slash, yeah. Torrance. Yep. that was him um yeah and 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 he was also uh uh a uh, good lord crane crane what's his name uh the, the, the patriarch of the crane family in in the haunting of hill house uh he also plays a character by the name of henry wingrave in the haunting of blind manor he has just basically been in like all the flanagan stuff for like the past five or six years uh because like flanagan also has put out something every year now uh like we have we actually do have a new flanagan series coming out this year called the midnight club which I'm super excited about. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into what that is because that's not what the show is. But I, right. after the show, Parish, we're going to talk about what that show, what that show is going to be. And um, I, I highly recommend everyone watch that, like check out and see what that show is, and 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 come with me on the Midnight Club hype train. Uh, but Woo-hoo. yeah, I, 
I yeah, I love I I love the casting of the show. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's it's just mm-hmm. it it just it's, it's got it all. Also, uh, uh, actually returning from Hush, Michael Truco plays uh, Way Scarborough, the the mayor of the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and l- the thing is, like the thing I love about the uh, one of the things I really love about the show is that it 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 does the 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 beautiful Stephen King thing of diving in of like all these characters actually have truly rich in our lives and while we may not be able to dive deep into all of them um we right. still get the hints of them like we don't spend a lot of time we don't really spend a lot of time on the inner lives of the scarborough family but we get the deal of what that family is right away and we get to spend just spend a lot of time with them uh what well, right. but but like not diving deep into the, into like say the flints because you know riley is our is our, he's our character he's the character that we enter into the show with so of course we're gonna follow once we we're gonna be following him and in turn we're gonna be following his family we're gonna be following his relationship with his father ed and his mother annie and his and his younger brother warren and what he did um uh, and 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 what and, and what him uh killing this this teenage girl and going to prison and what that has done to his relationships with his family and his relationship with the town. Um, Mm -hmm. Now on top of all that, we got father Paul Hill, Paul Hill, motherfucking Paul Hill, which um, you want to say best performance in the whole show. Um, It's up there. I would, I would say also alongside, um, I'm also going to say alongside uh, uh, Kate Siegel, as Aaron Green, I think I think Kate Siegel delivers maybe her best performance. I think this is like on par with her performance as Theo in The Haunting of Hill House. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, uh, yeah. Actually, uh, I just remembered there is there is actually um, there's there are a few other actors who I'm who I'm who I forgot to mention. Like um, I, I mentioned earlier, we mentioned earlier the, the the town doctor Sarah Gunning. She you know she lives in the house with her mother. Both her, played by Annabeth Gish, and her mother, played by Alex Esso, have appeared in Plas Flanagan things. In fact, Alex Esso, uh, she played um, Wendy in Doctor Sleep. Oh, and really, and and really beautiful fun fact. Um, I didn't know this until until Flanagan confirmed it, but apparently, on the set of Doctor Sleep, Henry Thomas and Alex Esso, playing Jack and Wendy Torrance, actually fell in love. Oh. So the, and and they're still together, and I'm like, oh, that is, that's so sweet. That is why Doctor Sleep is better than The Shining. That's right, I said it. Doctor Sleep I, is better than Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Honestly, yeah, like I would even say that the, the Doctor Sleep book is better than The Shining book. So, uh, I don't know. The Shining the book is is an all timer. I I I I stand by that book. That that is it, that's it. Mm. I also haven't read read Doctor Sleep. Yet, so you know, I can't say full judgment, but I don't know. The Shining is like is, is a top tier king king book for me. Uh, well, I think for me it's more so that the Doctor Sleep's writing style is a lot more modern, whereas the True the Shining, yeah, yeah, the Shining is just too many long paragraphs. <laughs> makes but yeah, but I like I like I, I I'm someone who likes that about King. I do I do like you know being long winded um, is is something I actually do like about King. Uh, speaking of long-winded, long-winded. I was about to say that explains why you like this show so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in fact, something that Flanagan gets a lot of flack for in general are uh-huh. his monologues, and uh, he's talked about how, like, you know, he he you know he fully 
you know, uh, uh, expects criticism and, and he welcomes it so that, you know, he believes that, you know, critic he, he is someone who actually believes that, you know, criticism can make you better. Um, because it's true. If you, it, like, healthy criticism can make you, can, can help you do, do better. Uh, however, the one piece of criticism that he, that he does not give any, any airtime to is, uh, people complaining about him, about his monologues. Uh, he doesn't, he, he doesn't care about, about what people think about his, like, he, like, because as he's put it, like, you know, the monologue is something that used to be applauded in, 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 in the past. It's something that was like, that, that was like what, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of something like, I don't know, like a few good men, a few good men has like monologue after monologue in that, in that movie. I'm thinking, I'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically of the one that we all know, the, the, right. the Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth speech that he gives at the end of the movie, uh-huh. uh, which is, uh, it, it's, it's truly like a, like a great piece of acting. And, uh, yeah, everyone, of course you can't handle the truth, but like he like Jack Nicholson later has a line in that same scene where he's like, I'm going to rip it's, I'm going to rip your head off and piss in your skull. I think is the line. Uh, Huh. Yeah, it's yeah. That's uh, whew, '90s Aaron Sorkin, y'all. Uh, went hard. <laughs> uh, but he, but like he really loves. Yeah, Flanagan loves to have his actors like have his characters monologue, uh, which I love genuinely. I genuinely love because when an actor gets to just sit and pontificate about the nature of humanity and the nature of life and death. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, give it to me. All day, all all damn day. That's that's what I want uh, at at the end. Um, yeah, I really, yeah, I really love it. And yet, you're not like like I said. I, I my my opinion on the show is the minority opinion on this show because I'm seeing like other people whose opinions I respect on Twitter. They're saying the same thing you are. Um, that if it it is a must watch for anyone who wants to get into acting because of all the monologues and. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I get it, but here's the thing: the difference between a monologue and a, say, like a two-hour movie, and the difference between a monologue and a seven-hour TV show is, if I see a monologue in a in a movie, I'm just like, okay, well, I've only got like two hours left of this, I got to go push through it. But if I'm hearing a monologue in a TV series that I'm watching on Netflix, and then I see I'm only on episode two, I'm just like, Jesus, I have five more hours of this. Come on. You see, see, and I'm a, I'm the complete opposite. I I, exactly. I welcome them. I really do yeah. welcome them, uh, because I just think it's that, that there's an actor who kind of gets to flex it. Now he had, you know, of course, like he does love to have. He, like he is a director. He loves to t- he tells his story visually, but at the same time, he is a writer, and he you know wants in like you know sometimes these characters, and also like this is like it's a story. It's all made up. It's okay to have your characters just say how they're feeling sometimes and say what they, and, and, and they just have conversations. Like, I don't like the, what I like about these monologues that are throughout this, this, this series is they don't feel, at least for me, um, I feel, I feel that you, you disagree with this, but I feel that they come very natural to the, to the show. Like they, they fit very naturally within the conversations that are already taking place um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically of one Riley, uh, has that he's like kind of, that he's like giving to Aaron 
when they when like it's the first time they've spoken to each other since they've arrived yes. back on the island because it, like yes. Riley and Aaron they were they were high school sweethearts um, right. and then she she ran away from home at sixteen because as we find out um, her mother was um, an alcoholic and extremely abusive and I mean extremely abusive uh, yeah. we and, and and like not just physical like we're talking deep psychological trauma here uh, everyone mm-hmm. but. Um, so this is the first time that they have seen each other in several years. Uh, so they're discussing, like they're talking about, like they're catching up, and I love that, like the like the catching up is very natural. They're asking questions about each other, like where have you been? What was going on with you? Like oh, I heard this about, like oh, I heard like oh, you're pregnant, you know, and then they and they they're talking about that, um, and then we get to them to you know the moment where Aaron asks Riley like like how are you like how are you doing like how are you and he's like fine I guess and she goes no Riley how are you right and he get, and he dives deep in, into into himself and he's like you know because this is also coming coming right off of him telling her yeah I came out of prison atheist like a lot of people find God in in prison I didn't, and I and I tried. I looked everywhere. I threw like he's like I threw the Bible. I was given a Bible that night, and I threw it away. It almost felt like instinct. And then from that point on, I just kept looking for God because I wanted to find an answer to. To it's, he's like like how how could a just God let uh, let happen what I did? And he's like I did a horrible thing, and why am I still alive? Why am I still here? How can there be a just God if something isn't like this can happen? And, you know, this is something that a lot of people who are on their faith journeys and who wind up atheists, me, uh, they feel this way. (laughs) This is a question that pops up a lot uh, for us. And, you know, Flanagan being a he 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 is a former Catholic. He is now an atheist. Uh, You know, he 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 wrote Riley as uh, as him at the beginning of his of his faith of, of his journey on to becoming an to becoming an atheist on onto who he is now like Flanagan mm-hmm. like and Flanagan doesn't like try to pretend that he knows what the meaning of life is and he's like because right. I mean right. for me for my, in my opinion in my personal opinion there is no meaning to life you know the the you know, like everyone's meaning of life is different it's yeah. you give your you give your you give your life meaning exactly and and of course, and, and and of course, that meaning can be can be anything, uh, and and you know you can and 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 you know on and religion truly helps people in finding the meaning to their own life, and I I love that for people. I I, right. I wish I could have that. Yeah, exactly. And even uh, Riley's parents want that for him. So, which is why they try to invite him to mass. Yeah, That's well, they don't try to invite him. Ed just straight up says, you're going. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah, <laughs> which actually is like, it's, 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 such a, it's like such a great button to that to that scene. Because like mm-hmm. earlier in the scene, uh, like Riley's talking about uh, going to AA and how it's a condition of his parole. Um, mm-hmm. And Ed just says like, no, you're going to mess. Consider a condition of your parole and then walks out of the scene. I'm just like, oof. Okay. Damn. Okay. Like, um, okay, and then they come back to, and then like later, like Ed, like they, like, it's honestly like it kind of reminds me of my relationship with my stepdad when I was a teenager. 
mm-hmm. in that my stepdad would kind of blow up on me a little bit and then he would stop himself and go, nope, stop, just please go to your room. I'm going to yell at you and I don't want to. And so I want to cool down and then we're going to talk later when I've cooled down and we can actually talk like human beings. Right. Uh, right. So I go to my room and then he would come to me later and then we would sit down and talk about what, um, about what had happened, what had occurred. And I'm like, this is the same thing. I see, I, I see the, I, I, under, I understand what's going on here. Cause I've, cause like I, I, I have this type of household. I have this household where like, you know, the parent, you know, like they, they like they have a specific thing they want their, their, their child to do and the way they want their child to act. But the problem is, is that no, they're their own human being and they're not, mm-hmm. they're not going to act exactly the way you want. So, you know, getting mad and yelling at them is not the answer. So right. he doesn't do that. Instead, he, you know, he like, you know, yeah, he does blow up on him a little bit, honestly, a very tiny bit, but yeah, he stops himself and he, and he come and mm-hmm. he comes back and they have a civil discussion later when they've both calmed down. So, yeah, I think we, we pretty much just bled into episode two here because that, uh, you should come to mass. The dinner scene happens in episode two, I think. But, um, uh, well, it happens in episode one. He's, he's, he, oh. there's at least, um, I think at least twice he, he's gone to mass uh, in the first episode. Because I know the first time, actually, no, I think just just the once in, in episode one. Uh, where right, he, right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. Because they want him to take the sacrament. Um, yeah. But, uh, but Ed, and, and actually Ed says, like, you know, stay back. You know, it's, it's, it's tradition. You know, it's like if you, if you're, like, if you are, uh, and, and, and Grant said, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Catholic. I don't know. Too much. I I I will never claim that I am an expert on Catholicism, but what it seems here is that a tradition in Catholicism is that you, if you are essentially like a visitor of the Catholic Church, uh, and you're not actually a Catholic or, or not a practicing Catholic, um, you do not partake in the sacrament during Mass. In communion. So because yeah. he's so because he's not pra- a practicing Catholic, uh, you know, Ed tells him like, you know, stay back. It's tradition. Like, don't take the sacrament. And he tries to bring him up and, and realize like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay right here. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but is, is, was it at this point where father Paul was starting to, because we, we, all this talk about the characters that we haven't really uh, talked about the important plot points that kind of introduced in the first episode, which, uh, involves the, the case of this missing Monsignor Pruitt. Yes. Uh, so something that, and actually, the way we are introduced to Bev Keen is that she is looking for Monsignor Pruitt, who is he is the leader of Saint Patrick's Catholic Church, like the main church on the island. Um, and it turns out that he is revealed actually in that earlier dinner scene between the Flynns that apparently Monsignor Pruitt, um, there was a like a like a like a like a collection done at the church to. Uh, have him go on um i forget what the what the journey exactly is called um but walking in the footsteps of jesus and going to um oh my lord jerusalem yes and they send him on and and, and he's on like a two-week journey and he was supposed to arrive that day the same day that riley arrives um except he's not there he's nowhere to be found um until and then uh and and i and also also i love the hiding of Paul Hill throughout the beginning yes. of the episode and, yes. and the, and the, and the final reveal of, of, of who this figure is. Cause you know, Bev tr- is looking all around the Island. She's looking at the fairies. She's going around and eventually she comes to his home. That's right next to the church. 
and there's smoke coming out of the chimney. She's like, hmm, he must, I guess there he is. I just missed him. And it was just kind of weird. It's like Monsignor Pruitt is like 80 years old mm-hmm. and, and is like, and has, you know, like nearly severe dementia as we later find out. Uh, and then she walks in and she see and there's someone there who is not Monsignor Pruitt. And then yeah. the following day, uh, the two altar boys, one of which uh, is Warren, Riley's younger brother, uh, the door opens, and there's a man there that is not Monsignor Pruitt. Nope. And then we get the full reveal of Paul Hill walking into church, walking into the Catholic Church, and he stands in the pew and he says, yes, I understand you're expecting Monsignor Pruitt. However, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, there was, uh, you know, he is, he's an elderly man. He, fought, and, and he felt ill. Yeah. yeah, he felt ill. You know, other, other, there are other, other pastors who saw that he was, you know, that he was, he had fallen ill. So he is recovering on the mainland. They're like, he's like, don't worry. He is going to be fine. Uh, but he has to recover on the mainland before he, he, he has to rest before he can come and back on the island. I have been sent by the archdiocese to, you know, to not replace him, but to just oversee the church until his return. And my God, how charismatic is this Father Paul, dude? Because... I mean, Hamish Linklater is just... Look, look, first of all, um, Daddy, sorry, Daddy, sorry, Daddy, sorry. Uh, (laughs) I mean, honestly, though, Daddy is more reserved for Rahul Kohli. Yes, there you go. That's more like it. (laughs) I mean, he did, like, like, when this show dropped... Raul mm-hmm. Coley was like left and right. You could not escape Twitter without seeing Rahul Coley being called hashtag Sheriff Daddy. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. Rahul yeah. Coley is um, mm-hmm. whew, sexy man. Oh. Uh, I'm just gonna take a take a sip of tea. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. <laughs> I'm a whoo, because I'm a thirsty bitch. Yeah. Uh, when was your last confession, JD? Um, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> twenty-four years ago. <laughs> Whoa, shit. Okay. I was in my mother's womb. <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm not Catholic. I was, I was, I was raised Baptist. I was raised Baptist, yeah. Uh, um, but not even by my by my mom, by my grandmother. Uh, my mom doesn't really practice like like she like she is honestly like when it comes to religion my mom is literally the most apathetic person i've ever met because i once asked her do you believe in god and she just like honestly i just don't really care hmm. i'm like oh okay she's like yeah I'm like like this is the life i have and whatever happens after you know okay whatever it is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. wow that is not the answer i was expecting but cool <laughs> but yes anyway Father Paul manages to win over a really big population or a big, very sizable chunk of the crockpot here. And yeah, because at the start, to... like the the church is like you know they got they got some parishioners, but not not a whole lot. They, it's it's, like a, it's a fine amount of 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 uh, of people who are attending church. Mm-hmm. Um, and he later later mentions I think in the second episode when. Um, we get to the first day of Lent. Uh, he 
he does mention that he's like, you know, it's like there's always like an uptick during Lent. Uh, you know, it's like you know, like mm-hmm. Easter and and Christmas. Yes, of course, like we always know that. But for some reason, Lent. It's, it's like it's not a cloud. It's not like a crowd pleaser like Easter or Christmas are. So why is it Lent? And like he goes into this whole thing about um about for uh, about the nature of forgiveness uh, in mm-hmm. relation to God. And the thing is about the thing is the the concept of forgiveness at the hands of God comes across so much throughout the show. It is one of the biggest part is one of one of if not the biggest themes in the show is forgiveness. Uh yeah. Um mm-hmm. and and and, mm-hmm. and, I, and this starts out this starts out with Riley because he is someone uh you know for what he has done he you know of course people have a hard time forgiving him he has a hard time forgiving himself uh then we have the character of joe collie who is he is the town drunk uh oh, he has a that... great he has a great dog named pike unfortunately uh during a drunken gun i, I hate to say the word mishap but mishap uh, he shoots and paralyzes young Lisa Scarborough, and she is yep. now confined to a wheelchair. Yep. Um, until until the events, <laughs> the events of the end of episode two, when um, uh, Lisa walks. Yeah. She yeah. gets up out of her wheelchair, and she is walking. A miracle. She's been blessed with a miracle from God. Um, except that's uh, that's that's not what happens. That's not what happened. No, and and just going into episode three, one of the first things that happens is, of course, what's the first reaction to the miracle? Everyone starts crying to the church, just saying like, "Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that?" And what what does Bev say? She says, "Sorry, not how that works." Yeah, she's like, "That's that's not how this works." It's you know, like you 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 don't come like you know like like you know miracles are not just things that God hands out; they are. They're, you know, they come up, they come around for a special reason, which I'm just like, you know, whatever the fuck, fuck you, Beth. <laughs> exactly. Uh, honestly, literally every single sentence that comes out of that woman's mouth, I makes me want to punch her in the face. Yes. Because Absolutely. again, yeah. as we as we have already mentioned earlier, this is a person that you probably know in your life. Uh huh. You just uh-huh. you know this person. This, this, you know, the, yeah, they're they're around. I mean, uh, she, you live in Texas. I live in Georgia. We have met these people face to face. I imagine. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I think one of them is uh, one of your senators or representatives. I think so. Yeah. Mm. Marjorie Taylor Greene is that? Oh, yep, yep, yeah. Senator, yeah. I'm sorry, senator or representative? Ah, uh, I think it's a senator. Yeah. Um. On behalf, uh, even though I do not live in the state, but on behalf of all sane people of Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you can go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, you and your entire gazpacho army. Mm-hmm. And also, on behalf of, uh, as as a Texan, on behalf of all sane Texans, Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz, y'all can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Oh, man. I hope that, that the next time, um, knock on wood, the next time we have an ice storm in Texas, guess what, Abbott and Cruz? We're going to throw you out into the cold with nothing on, and you're going to have to live with that shit. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
God, that ice so cream it, sucked. <laughs> so anyway, this so anyway, this is the episode that uh, or the conversation between Bev and the and Rahul Kohli's character takes place. Yes, we put a pin in it. We're, we've come back yes. to it. Yes. So this scene now. This, now what's, what's great about the scene mm-hmm. is that you know we have all we, like we've already become attached to uh, Sheriff Hassan. Hassan, Sheriff, and Hassan. we've already become attacked. Yeah, we, and we've already. Well, we just, well, let's just call him Hassan for the rest of the for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've already become attached to Hassan on his own and his relationship mm-hmm. with other characters. We've already become attached to Aaron through her through her relationship with other characters. But mm-hmm. now this scene, this is the scene where we become attached to the two of them, and where they start. They're they're really starting to see eye to eye here, and this is where they become linked in this show. Because right. what happens in this in this scene essentially is that a a school board meeting has been called uh, because a Bible was handed out at the school to Hassan's son Ali. Um, Hassan and his son Ali are practicing Muslims, and let's just go ahead and say it: Beth Keen is a racist and a yes. and, and, and an extreme bigot. Uh, and, and like, in, in, like, in privacy, she refers to, and I, and I hate, I I really hate this. She refers to Hassan as Omar Sharif. Ugh, gross. I hate, I, the, like, there's just, like, the blatant racism on display with her is just a fucking atrocious. But it's, but, like, it's there for a reason. Like, it's because these people exist. Like, that's who this person is. That's who this type of person would be. And... You know, like, you even have someone like Wade, the mayor, who, like, seems like a nice dude, um, and, and treats the sheriff but... with dignity. But, like, yeah. you can definitely tell that there is a lot of posturing there. And, like, <laughs> yeah. he's, like, he's almost like there's, like, a level of, like, white guilt that he's trying to come across with Hassan. Right. right. Um, uh, and, and Wade and, Wade and his wife Dolly are there, um there at the president's school meeting at this school board meeting but hassan lays it out pr- like perfectly in that yes. you know he's like i he's like i have he's like i have no problem with you know like a a a, a bible verse being with- being spoken i have no problem with, it's just like you know you should have like y'all will have no problem if a if a verse from the quran was spoken he's like what i have a problem with is handing is is handing a bible out just like you would have a problem because he even he points yeah. out like is like we'll turn it around if i handed out a quran mm-hmm. to the to a student here or if i started handing out the quran to people around this town you would have a big problem with that so the the full context behind this is that the what brought this whole thing on in the first place is uh hassan found out that his son brought home a bible from school he found it in his backpack yeah and of yeah, course, it was it was and it was handed it, to him. In case he could, in case he couldn't tell by his name, Hassan and his son are practicing Muslims. Yeah, and 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 what's great about the scene is that Hassan, like, he starts to turn the turn turn the tide a little bit in in that room. They're like yeah. everyone outside of Bevkeen are getting on his side. Like you say, Wade and Dolly, they're sitting right next to him. Uh huh. And they look at him and they're nodding along they're with him. Nodding. They're like, yeah, yeah. like ev- like everything you're saying makes sense. And then Bev Keen's got to come in, and she's got to twist his words, and mm. and Aaron and Aaron is sitting right there because Aaron, along with Bev, they're like they're yeah. really like the two teachers 
really, I think right. they're the like the only two teachers at the school. Um, they are. Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think I think they're the only teachers. Um, which I mean, like, please put me in Miss Green's class. Like, absolutely, I would r- much rather have her as a teacher. <laughs> but she points out, like, like Aaron points out, she's like, 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 look, you've seen me in church. You know where I stand. Um, at, mm-hmm. at, at, as far as religion goes, but what he's saying is right. Like, like you know, yeah. like we should not like, like you know, handing out a Bible or handing out a Quran, handing out a Torah, handing out any religious text, yeah. and trying to indoctrinate children in a public school is wrong. It's right. wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also I want to point out that I think that, that and I think it's kind of a little on the same level of. Still having the Pledge of Allegiance and making children say one nation under God. Um, yeah, I still don't understand how there is that, how that is not under, you know, separation of church and state. You know, yeah. like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nix that shit. Um, yeah. I, I graduated high school in 2016. We were still doing that. Yeah, I've heard it hasn't. It hasn't. I did it. Uh, I did it. This is also like, Texas. I mean, okay, yeah, um. Yeah, I would. I did it every morning from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. Yeah, it actually got to the point for me that like, uh, I like my senior year, I just stopped saying it. Like, I would stand for it, but I wouldn't but, say anything. Right. <laughs> and yeah. like there be and like at at first like there were other students like uh, next to me they're like, why aren't you saying anything? I'm like because I don't want to. Because I don't believe right. in what I don't believe in what 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 we're what everyone is being forced to say here. Right. And, it, and and there was like a little tension in the room when I said that, um, because again, right. atheist, Texas. and I was in West Texas, where there is a different church on every other street corner. You think I'm exaggerating? I'm really not, dude. I believe you. I believe. Yeah, there was you. just. Yeah, I think I would think I was maybe like one of four atheists in that town. Yeah, and there was like a, there was like a good six thousand people in that town. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. West Texas go, is interesting. Going back to, I really love the point. Uh, yeah, what really made that scene for me though is Aaron actually trying to be an ally because there she is straight up when um Bam is talking. There's this one point where he just says like that's not what he said. She and then but then Bam just cuts her off. And then she just cuts her off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, like yeah. I'm like yes. Like like I'm like like. Let Aaron fucking speak. Like it's like she actually like she, like being a teacher at the school. She ha- she is like she essentially is some type of authority because like mm-hmm. you know she is the one who you know who she is the she is the one who molds the minds of these children at the school. So therefore she has some type of authority. Mm-hmm. So like like Bev King, shut the fuck up and let her speak. <laughs> of course she's not to. Bev King, sh- she's not going to Bev- because she notices that Hassan is turning the tide in that room. She sees, mm-hmm. she sees the look in these people's eyes, and she's like, "No, no, 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 no! You can't do that. Yeah. I am righteous, and right. my religion is the only religion, and I'm going to, and I'm going to like just basically, she's just like, I'm just going to scripture you until mm-hmm. you shut the fuck up. <laughs> scripture you until you shut the fuck up. That's exactly what she does too. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, um, is this?" A- Refresh my memory. Is this the same episode where Hassan's son actually started expressing interest in joining Mass? It has to be, right? Yes, it yeah. is. Uh, and yeah. and and um, so this is actually. So I want to. I want to take a. I want to take a quick like jump back, um, yeah, yeah. because the thing about Midnight Mass is that it is a horror show. Yes. And we really haven't gotten to the the major horror elements of the show yet. Like 
honestly, like, Bev Keen is a horror unto herself. Like, I per- like yes. I fully believe that she is the, the she is the villain of this story. She kills a dog. She kills a dog. Oh yeah, we haven't even gotten into the death of Pike. So, like, as I, as I mentioned earlier, there are cats in the show. Um, they are they're all dead. Um, yeah. they all die mysteriously like no one no one can figure it out except you know like they all wash it like there's this massive storm in the first episode mm-hmm. um and then like like everyone boards up their windows and they're all hunkering down and we already know at this point that monsignor pruitt is supposedly not on the island and he's off he's on the mainland recovering in a hospital mm-hmm. um and then riley looks out the window during the storm at night and s- believes he sees john pruitt uh, because and because John Pruitt had like a very specific figure, and he always wore a black trench coat and fedora, and mm-hmm. that was it's like you could it's like basically he was a shadow, like you see like you see the, the the silhouette of the shadow that's 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 Monsignor Pruitt right there, and he mm-hmm. sees him outside and he's like and he just goes out into this like well first he gets his family and he's like I thought I saw him out there and they're like no he's not here go back to bed, right. But eventually Riley sees him again, and so he goes out into the storm, and he actually chases after him on the beach, mm-hmm. and then he's and then he just disappears, just f- f- fucking vanishes, woof, gone, <laughs> just woof, gone. He does. That. Um, yeah, he straight up does. And then the end, the actual end of the episode is it's morning, the storm has passed, and you know the the the, the Flins are kind of surveying the wreckage around their yard. Uh, they go around the back where the where where like they're right on the beach of the island, and Riley's mm-hmm. like, uh, "Dad, what's all that?" And they go on the beach, and the beach is filled with dead cats. Yeah, with and bites we, we, out when of them. I say filled, I mean mm. filled. Like there's definitely like well over a hundred, possibly two hundred cats. Yep, who are dead, and it's revealed yep. at the opening of the second episode, which actually has a beautiful like six minute like six or seven minute one opening this episode yes just following all these characters across on the beach reacting to what's going on uh i love i love i love the one or like like i love oneers like like i love those like seven minute oneers that you don't realize are a oneer until like four minutes in right oh fuck this is so good and then and then like it's like i don't care that i noticed it now i'm just like i'm staggered at the fact that it took me this long (laughs) It, it took me like four minutes ago. I was like, "Wait a minute, the camera hasn't cut yet, huh?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> and 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 hey, you know what? I, I I love that shit. And Mike Flanagan, he's a on top of being a great director and writer, he's also a fantastic editor. Because um, like I said, he edits all he edits all of his things. Every movie he's ever made, he's the editor. Um, like this whole show, he was the editor. Uh, I like I know Haunting of Hill House. He didn't fully edit himself, but like a good portion of that, he was the editor on that show. Mm-hmm. Um. But we, but like they, re- they find they realize that the cats, like they have incisions in their necks, mm-hmm. and they're all drained of blood. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. 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 Which this actually ties back to 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 we mentioned way earlier in this episode we were discussing, uh, when Warren, uh, the other Ultra Boy Ooker, and yes, his name is Ooker. I actually don't even know. They don't never ever mention his real name. Uh, he just goes by Ooker. Mm-hmm. And Ali, Hassan's son, mm-hmm. uh, they all go to what is called the Uppards, which is like kind of like a, like a like a small piece of land that is separated from the island, but it's really like technically, but it's really technically part of the island. Mm-hmm. And they like take a rowboat up to the Uppards to 
drink and smoke pot. Except for Warren. Warren doesn't drink. He he has like followed his brother's example and does not drink. Uh, which I think, which I'm like, you know, Warren, good for you. Like, you yeah, know, you do yeah. you. Uh, but they also all smoke pot, and I'm like, also good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And at one point, Warren is like moving his flashlight around while they're sit- sitting smoking pot, and he sees a tall figure uh-huh. with glowing eyes, and it's creepy. And- yeah. And, uh, refresh my do we, at this point, do we hear the flap of wings or no? We actually heard the flap of wings earlier when they were walking through, like, the, like, the, 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 the massively tall grass. That's right. We that's heard right. flapping yeah. of wings, and, because, like, Ooker is, like, he, like, moves the fl- his flashlight around, and he's like, what, 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 what's that? What was going on there? Mm-hmm. Like, there must be, like, some, like, massive pelican or something. And I'm just like, and, and, and I'm like, wait a minute, is this, is this show, are mm-hmm. we doing... Are we doing vampires? Spoiler alert, yes. <laughs> we might be doing vampires. And then episode two, I'm like... Or actually, no, like, I think actually episode three, my it's bad. It's episode, episode three. Episode three. Episode mm-hmm. three with Paul Hill giving, giving us that sweet, sweet monologue to God about yeah. the events of what took place before the show, which I fucking love. Yeah. He explains what happened. It turns out Father Paul Hill is actually... What's in your Pruitt? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's mm-hmm. right. And uh, because on his journey to Jerusalem, uh, Monsignor Pruitt, uh, you know, really had like having a uh, late stage dementia, like having dementia, like having a more severe case of dementia than anyone actually realized. Like he has, he has a severe, he's like late stage dementia. He's out. He's out of it all the time. And he winds up and he winds up getting separated from his group and winds up in a sandstorm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then during the sandstorm, he finds a cave, and he goes into the cave. But once he goes into the cave, there's something there. It's an angel. Literally, he thinks it's an angel. But I'm like, bro, that's a vampire. Bro, that's a vampire. No, bro, I watched Nosferatu. That's a vampire. So. Those don't look like angel wings. Those look like bat wings. Bitch, that's a vampire. <laughs> but no, 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 JD, it's an angel, and the angel bestows its blessing upon Father Pruitt. And yeah, I, I can't keep this up for too long. He straight up bites him and turns him to a vampire, sends him back to the mm-hmm. island, and now he was gonna prop- He's gonna turn that island's population into vampires because he mm-hmm. thinks he was. He thinks it was an angelic gift. Yeah, and like, and honestly, like. I love, I love the, I love the way Flanagan writes the leaps of logic that that they're all taking into yes. into believing that this is an angel. Like yeah. the idea that God no longer wants us to wants us to suffer and die and enter the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven. Instead, we will have the kingdom on earth, and we will enter the and essentially like we we will we will become like enter the eternal night. And he has sent an angel who will deliver us into eternal life on earth. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, if I weren't sane, I would believe this. It was like, I was like, you know, it's like, I'm like, the logic is, is kind of sound here. But, um, but no, Paul, that's a vampire. 
and see, here's the thing. I think I honestly think this uh, Midnight Mass takes place in a world where vampire stories don't exist because yeah, because they never we never say they never say the word vampire. Yeah, th- this does in fact take place in a world without vampire stories because you have to, otherwise. The minute the doctor burns the accidentally puts a blood sample out into sunlight and it starts sizzling, like that right there is just. You're just like yeah. vampire, vampire, bro. We got a vampire. It's vampires. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You heard? Yeah, yeah. It's vamp. Yeah, yeah. It's vampires. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Cool. We're on. The, we're all on the mm-hmm. same page. It's vampires. Uh. Yeah. Actually, something that this reminds me of a little bit is uh my favorite movie of all time a girl walks home alone at night everyone watch a girl walks home alone at night it's incredible it is a vampire story um they never say the word vampire in that movie though the closest they mm-hmm. get is a reference to dracula but that's it ooh okay and 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 because of that it's because the the male main character arash in that movie uh he dresses up as dracula for halloween for a halloween party where he takes uh, lsd and he meets the girl. She never has a name in the movie. This, she's just called the girl, uh, the right, titular right. girl who is a vampire. Um, she, she, like she asks him, "Who are you?" and and he says, "Dracula," <laughs> hmm. or, or however you. I, I, I think I, I think he just says Dracula. I'm not sure. I haven't watched the movie in a while, but um, yeah, everyone go watch a girl walks home alone at night. It's absolutely incredible. And once you get to the scene, uh, that involves the song death by white lies, you will thank me. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, going back to here now where, uh, how they, again, going back to your point about how Flanagan writes the justifications or the leaps in logic that they make. Cause um, think about it from the, the church attendees point of view too. Like they just saw this guy, give the girl apparently give the girl the ability to walk again mm-hmm. and then in this episode he seems to come back from the dead yeah right in yeah. front of he, he legit comes back from the dead from yeah. uh right in front of wade and holly and bev and sturge we haven't even gotten to sturge the guy like the the, the handyman of the island the man who like, oh. works in all the boats i love sturge oh, yeah, I do. I Sturge feel so is bad like him. honestly like underrated MVP. He's like like the he's like the underrated MVP of the show. I, I oh, for I, sure. I really I really love Sturge. Uh, like and, and like and like he's like Sir like I'm I'm blanking on the actor's name, but like he is his performance is great in a sea of great performances. Honestly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like it, that's what's that's what's like the unfortunate thing about the show is that like every performance is phenomenal. That it's hard to just like. Pick one. It's hard to yeah. get to every single performance and then single them out because everything, because every performance is so good. And also, like, I, then there's, like, like the small miracles that are happening. Like, people are getting younger. Like, Annie. Yeah. She doesn't need to, she doesn't need to wear her glasses anymore. Ed, his back is, his, he doesn't have his back problems anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, even, like, you know, Bev starts to look kind of younger sturge starts to look younger uh wade and holly are no longer wearing their glasses and and they start to look younger like the gray goes out of people's hair of course Mm -hmm. the most drastic change we see is mildred gunning the mother of sarah gunning the town doctor yes um Mm -hmm. because at the start of the show uh, mildred gunning is like an 80 year old woman who has has who has dementia 
and yeah. you know and and like she does like she doesn't know who her daughter is a lot of the time mm-hmm. and she is now sleeping in, in a corner in the living room uh because uh she broke her hip trying to go upstairs to her bedroom mm-hmm. and it's like this is just, like all of this is just like she's sad um but father paul hill comes to see her every single day and give her the sacrament um mm-hmm. which honestly like is a sweet thing to do uh, yeah. you know, for, for someone who's no longer allowed to attend church like they want to, like, you know, I, 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 I like that, like that, like that's something I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, like, that's great. Although, uh, hu- humor aside note, um, I kind of get the, I understand the guy going to AA meetings, why he doesn't take the communion wine, but, uh, why you gotta give the wine to the, to the grandma with dementia? Eh, why not? <laughs> sure, good, good enough for me. But also, <laughs> we know why. Because yes. um, that's not just wine. <laughs> nope, um, nope. It's the vampire's blood. <laughs> yep. Which br- it, It's which got vampire us, blood in it. Which brings us to episode four, which... I like to... I like to... I want to open this up with by saying, uh, in this episode, we finally get the what I like to call the Flanagan special. Because throughout all of Flanagan's works, people have noticed that a lot of them tend to feature very graphic hand injuries. What Now, mm-hmm. with Gerald's Game and Dr. Sorry, what? No, no, no I, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, this is true. Yeah, hand like, trauma. Yeah. Good, old, good old-fashioned hand trauma. Which, I'll cut off some slack for Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep because those were both in the source materials. But then yes. there's Hush. Hush is an original work, as we've established. There is also mm-hmm. a severe hand trauma in that movie. Which yeah. is why I have come to coin the term the Flanagan special. Yeah. Um, actually, I would say there's actually two Flanagan specials. I think like, that's like a a a physical special effect th- yeah. special that I love. And I think that's why like Flanagan special probably works for that. I would say the other Flanagan special, which we will now deem the other Flanagan special. Um, or actually, I will. I, we're not going to call it Flanagan. We're going to call it the Flanagan shot. And it's mm-hmm. when he likes to tilt the camera 90 degrees. Yes. Because if you notice, he does it in everything, and I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it Mm -hmm. became, like, he's talked about how it became a joke between him and his cinematographer, Michael Fuminari, who's shot most of everything he's done. Um, And now it's got to the point where they will, will, like, they actively try to find a way to fit that shot in, in everything they do. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, respect. Hell yeah. Yeah, visual respect. continuity. Visual continuity, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm actually... remind. I don't know how I'm blanking on this, but remind me of the hand trauma that happens in episode four. Okay, so he... Um, he takes the small little crucifix that he has and he carves like... Uh, and he carves out his right. palm. Right. Yeah, to get right, the blood into right, the blood. Right, yes. right, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. for reminding me of that. Um, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, he's actually splitting... earlier in, so something yeah. we actually, uh, we, I, we, we skipped over Oh, that ahead. I want to go back to in episode three, mm-hmm. um, or actually really something that happens in episode two. Um, so we already mentioned Joe Colley and, and what he did. Um, he mm-hmm. drunkenly shot Lisa Scarborough, the daughter oh. of Wade and Holly and oh, paralyzed scene. her. And that's why she is in a wheelchair. Well, episode yeah. three 
we get to the scene where Lisa confronts Joe. And she lays it all out in front of him. She explains how much she hates... Like, she explains the day that he shot her. Mm -hmm. She explains Mm -hmm. how much she hates him. And then after all of that, she then looks him in the eye and says, Joe Colley, I forgive you. And he and Joe Colley is a he is a I mean, the thing is, he's already a blubbering mess. Yeah. Before that, but he, he that is the moment where he screams in pain because as he mentions later, uh he is not as quick to forgive as the rest. Meaning he still hasn't forgiven himself for what mm-hmm. happened. Because I'm like, because honestly, like the what I'm th- what uh, how I like how I see Joe is that, you know, Joe's inner like inner thoughts are, no matter how people view you. You like you. Think of yourself, uh, worse than however they think you are. Like what? Like whatever? Like whatever horrible shit they think of you. You're thinking worse thoughts about yourself. That's that's how he exactly. feels about himself. And because uh, you know Riley, like Riley has having to go to go to AA, um, Paul Hill starts a chapter, and then he and so then it becomes really just like a two person AA meeting between Riley and Paul. These are and the then best Joe joins. Dialogue. Yeah, th- these are the best uh, like dialogue scenes of the entire series, if you ask me. They are pretty fucking great. I got. I I have to yes. agree. Like that first that first meeting between Paul and Riley. Oh my god! Uh, just like with Riley, like honestly, kind of laying into into Father Hill for yeah, you know, for like being like because like this is like this is the closest that Riley is gonna get to yelling at God. He's like mm-hmm. I'm. He's like I can't I can't yell at God and see his reaction. So instead, I'm going to yell at a man on the cloth, a man of the cloth mm-hmm. who, who basically is, I think is like, like, I feel like at the beginning he's like, you know, he, it's not that he's setting out to like hurt father Hill, but at a certain point he doesn't care. And he's just mm-hmm. laying it. He laying into him, but that doesn't stop. But of course that doesn't stop father Hill. That doesn't stop Paul Hill from, you know, doing anything except trying to help Riley. Yeah. Quote unquote help. Yeah. But Joe joins. <laughs> yes. Yes. We is. get, we get like, I, I mean, this is honestly one of my favorite scenes in, in the whole series is the, is the scene with mm-hmm. Joe joining and explaining, explaining the day when like, he's like, you know, when, like when she left, he's like, I couldn't drink anymore after that. Like, he's like, I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And Paul looks to Riley and says, he's like, I think he's like, you know, like whatever I say, you know, like I can, I can say whatever, but I think you like have something that you can say to Joe. And Riley's like, I don't think I'm in a position. And Paul's just like, <laughs> bullshit. He just straight up, he's like, he just says, yes, that's bullshit. Like, do not bullshit. Like, he's like, do not lie to me. Like, 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 like I, like you, we've been coming, we've, we've been coming here week after week. And then he starts really yelling at him. And he's like, we've been coming here yeah. week after week. And, 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 and discussing this and you, and, and no, do not bullshit me. Yeah. You can, you have something to say, so say it. He actually says bullshit, by the way. Like he uses that. Yeah, word. he he genuinely <laughs> says bullshit. Like, and I love I love like the the build the build up of it where he's like, no, that's bullshit. No, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. No, 
that is bullshit. And he just, and he says that word over and over again. I <laughs> love it so much. But then, but then Riley, like he says, he, he just straight up says like, Joe, you showed up and that's enough. It's not going to be en- like, it, you know, it's not going to be enough forever, but it's enough for today. The fact that you showed up, the fact that he reckoned, like, it's, it's like, the, like, I believe if I remember correctly, like, uh, I think it's a, a part, like a part of the, is it part of the 12 steps of AA or the 12 steps of recovery is like recognizing that you have a problem? Yes. The first step to solving a problem is, is admitting you have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. The first he's already complete. And, and it's like Joe, like you've, like he's already completed the first step. He recognizes he has a problem and he's now doing something about it. Mm-hmm. And like, I love, and, and what I love is that a lesser show would have cut to some would have cut to someone else after that scene. Instead, we ha- we continue with Riley and Joe. Like the meeting mm-hmm. ends, and Joe and Riley like they like th- like they are like walking throughout the town and like having a conversation about all about what like how their lives are going to mo- go forward. And Joe's like, "Does it get better for for guys like uh, for people like us?" And Riley's like, "No, I don't think so." Like you know. Mm. You know there there are gonna be days where it's gonna re- where we're gonna feel really terrible, but we just gotta keep going. We just gotta keep living, and you know just look forward to that next day and see it as a new opportunity. I'm just like, fuck, this show's so good. <sighs> yeah, and I think Joe dies this episode, right? <laughs> uh. Does he die in this episode? Episode four, yes. Or well, not. No, he dies in episode four. Uh, oh, I thought this was episode four that we were talking about. No, this was episode. This was still episode three. Whoops. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah. This. Yeah. This was still episode three. <laughs> episode four. Uh, episode four is uh, what I what I like to call the first major death episode because not yes. only do we have Joe Colley dead, but we also have the death of. Aaron's unborn child. Yeah, it turns out not all the side effects of the vampire blood are positive. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was fucking gut wrenching. Yeah, it was with that scary happening. because like though though I, mean, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but just seeing her go from discovering that her baby is gone going to the, I think she goes to the mainland and then to get a second opinion and she's just mm-hmm. like ma'am you were never pregnant to begin with do I need to call the psych ward yeah yeah she's like I think she's like I like I I'm like I'm going to call uh call on um, call someone else uh who works in the psych ward and just this look on Aaron's face of <laughs> just, just utter disbelief she she yeah. really like, she really cannot fathom what is going on in this moment She's being gaslit without actually being gaslit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh what I but this episode is something I love in this episode, which also by the way, something we haven't mentioned is that each episode is named after uh books from the Bible. Yes. Uh so First episode is called Genesis. Um, second episode, I forget the name. Th- episode three was Gospel, which is uh, Gospel is, is, uh, it means good news. Uh, but this episode is called Lamentations, um, 
which which there's a reference to limitations in this episode with Aaron. Um, so the reason why Aaron came back to the island outside of, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that, you know, she became pregnant and decided she needed to really leave the, the extremely abusive relationship that was, she was in, but she also returned because her mother died and she got her mother's house. She also took over the, the teaching position that, that, that her mother had, um, and and so she, but and so after all of this, after after what has occurred, after the death of her child, um, she no, she 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 really doesn't know what to do. So she just starts like finally packing up the you know her mother's stuff throughout the house, and Riley is over there to just be with her, and 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 be there for her in any way he can. Doesn't know how. Doesn't. This is a situation that he is completely new, uh, new at. Um, like a lot of us, we it's like we don't know what what to do in the situation, but we want to be there in case you know there is something we can do, you know. And also, just mm-hmm. showing up is something at least. Um, and they pray, they pray together, and Aaron later says, you know, like you, you, I guess you think I'm silly because you know you pray with me all day, and yet you don't believe it, and he's like. I mean, I believe it, but I get it. I understand why. I understand why people find comfort in religion. And then they have these beautiful monologues about death. Yes. So essentially, it's just like it goes like they they, they talk that like they're talking about what's going to happen after they die, and Riley gives what I what I like to call the spiritual scientific answer to what happens after we die or what happens when we die like he is going through like scientifically what what actually happens when we die like you know heart slows down body shut you know the body shuts down um eventually you know the you know the like uh, neurons stop firing yeah neurons stop firing your brain dumping like dumps out the last of DMT in your brain and you start experiencing like you start experiencing all your memories at once and of this flood of imagination and eventually uh, your and then your eventually your brain will stop and you will decay and you will return to the earth and and you will return to the stars and he but he speaks about it in a way that doesn't sound cold and clinical like we think of science he Mm -hmm. speaks of it almost as if it were spiritual right it's kind of and, it, and it's really lovely the way w- the way he puts it it's weird to say about you know what happens when you die but it's true he, it, you know it's it's it, you know he puts it in a very lovely manner of like you know this is what's going to happen but yeah and then and then aaron gives her a take on it um but she, but she points out she's like you know because uh she's like speaking for myself yeah, speaking for yourself, what happens when you die? And she goes, well, that's not the case, is it, though? Like, because I wasn't the one who died today. And she explains what happened when her child died, which she call, uh, she says her, her daughter, when, what happened when her daughter died. Right. Um, and talking about going and like you know she, she she was a perfect angel she never sinned she never heard a living she never heard a living thing mm-hmm. and uh and, and just as and, and just as she was delivered delivered from heaven she was called back to heaven mm-hmm. and she is surrounded by her family 
and all she knows is love. Oh God, I do not want to cry in this episode. Okay, uh, but that's essentially what she said. She's talking about how you know her daughter. Uh, what happened when she died was just she's called back to heaven, and she is wrapped in love by the family that has passed on. And it's really, really lovely. It is. And it is. Yeah. You know what would have made me like it a lot better if I read those if I read them in a book and I weren't watching them on TV. Mm, yeah, this is uh, this is something yeah. that, we, that 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 you mentioned. Um, yeah. Which you know. I can't disagree. Like I would love to read this as a book because absolutely yeah. something that I mentioned to you. Mm-hmm. This started life as a book. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> yeah, Mike Flanagan wrote this as a book. So basically, like the brief history on how this show got made, and I'll try to run through this very briefly. But uh, initially, uh, Midnight Mass started out life as a book. I believe uh, Mike Flanagan said that he started it in 2012, and uh, after that, he then tried to, uh, to make it as a movie. I think he wrote a script in 2014 as a film, um, and, he, and he actually talked about how like he like he eventually went back to that script, and he was like, "God, this is atrocious. Never, never make this as a movie." Um, <laughs> but he wanted to make it as a, he wanted to try and pitch it as a series, and he pitched it to everyone, including Netflix, and everyone passed on it. So wow. everyone passed on it. And uh, then he, when he started making Hush, uh, he had to figure out um, what, the, what book uh, Kate Siegel's character was going to write. And he decided it was going to be Midnight Mass. And then later he is making Gerald's Game. And uh, it, there is you know, one of the, there on the, there's a shelf above Jesse uh, when she's when she's uh, chained to the bed, and on that shelf there is a, in in the book in the book Gerald's game there there is a book on that shelf. It doesn't mm-hmm. say what the book is. Um, mm-hmm. so he decided the book will be Midnight Mass, and mm-hmm. someone at and every time someone asked him what that was, he would just say, "That's the best thing that I'll never make." Oh. And then The Haunting of Hill House got picked up by Netflix, mm-hmm. and it became a massive hit. Yeah. And I mean a massive hit. Mm-hmm. So much so that we got a, like, sort of, kind of follow-up with The Haunting of Bly Manor. Like, like, and like I said earlier in the episode, which was like 25 years ago. Uh, it really has no tie. It has no ties at all to Hill House. It's just like you know, it's got the same beginning. It has the same first three words in the title, and it's also about the haunting at a giant house, um, with a cast of characters that you grow to really love. And eventually, he was able to pitch it to Netflix once again. This time, but this time he felt that he he he's like, he was really grateful that. It got turned down that initial time because he knew he was because he realized he was not ready at the time to make this series. Very mature of him. And he yeah. started making it, and like they 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 got everything ready, and they were going to start filming in March 2020. And the rest is history. And then COVID nineteen hit. Oh right. Yeah. That old thing. So they were show they were going to shoot in Canada. They shot this whole show in Canada. 
They were going to start, and literally, Canada shut down days before they were supposed to start shooting. They had everything ready, and then the whole country shut down. And he got on a flight back to Los Angeles, and and he was looking down, looking at all the sets that they had built, because they literally built the town, the town of Crockett Island. They built everything, and he just was like, like this is it, like this thing that I kept trying to get made is like this is a sign that I'm just not going to get this made. And they waited for months to see if what was going to happen. I think in June of 2020, Netflix called them and said, "You're going to be." The guinea pig, essentially, of Netflix. You're going to be the first show, the first Netflix show to shoot under the COVID-19 guidelines. Jeez. Yeah. So as he put it, they were the like they were the canary in the coal mine of setting the example of how shooting under COVID-19 guidelines was going to look like. Damn. Yep. And honestly, and then, but the, but the thing is, is that he, he then, like a lot of people were doing, like, you know, he decided to write, uh, kind of like rewrite it to his advantage of that, you know, why are they, like, why are there so fewer people than there were originally supposed to be? Well, there was a giant oil spill and everyone moved away. And that's why there are so few people on the island left. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like, yeah, because they all, and, and, you know, because they're also not allowed to have a certain amount of people on, you know, on, on set. set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. And that's how they, and that's how Midnight Mass got made. <laughs> well, okay. It, how, it powered through a fucking pandemic and it got made. And, uh, goddamn, Mike Flanagan, I fucking applaud you. And he's now <laughs> got a new series on the way and he's got at least three others that are in the works. I, I want to read that book yeah. though. Yeah, he's actually yeah. he's actually talked about uh, talked talked about possibly releasing the book. He and I and I hope he does. I um, do too, because I really like I I would have definitely enjoyed this story a lot more if I'd read it. Yeah, and I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I really love like like the speeches that, that everyone's given, the monologues that are that are being handled, everything. I really love hearing the actors perform yeah. them mm-hmm. i really love it and i and i because like mm-hmm. because what's great is that i've already like at this point in the show by the time we get to this scene between aaron and riley in episode four we're already deeply attached to them Absolutely. Like, we like at this yeah. point i'm just like i am ride or die for these fucking characters i love them <laughs> deeply they are my friends and i love them and how does episode four end <laughs> <laughs> Riley gets attacked by the vampire. Yep. I'm fucking mad. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, fucking JD yeah, Angie. Because Joe got because Joe got attacked. And he's dead well, yeah. well not attacked by the vampire. He got attacked by a very, Fun very ball. hungry Paul Hill. Mm-hmm. And Ate uh, his brain. Uh, yeah, that was a disturbing shot. That is honestly one of the most disturbing shots in the show. Yeah. If yeah. not the most, well, if not the most disturbing, it was, uh, whew. Yeah, essentially, like, Joe Colley, uh, like, tries to escape Paul Hill's grip, and he does, but in doing so, uh, falls backward and hits his head on mm-hmm. the edge of the desk, and mm-hmm. he starts bleeding out from his head, 
and Bolt Hill is like 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 he leans next to him and is like trying to comfort him and, and apologizing for what occurred, and then he starts lapping up the blood and slurping mm-hmm. it up, and then we cut and he's literally just sucking the blood out of his head and I'm like oh my god oh fuck no fuck no fuck no uh uh-uh. uh give this shit away give this shit away Mike Flanagan why are you doing this to me ah uh... <laughs> Mike no. <laughs> I'm over here like Raphael yelling at Michelangelo. Mikey, no! <laughs> Did I just compare my, myself and Mike Flanagan to teen, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? You bet your fucking ass I did. Sure. Oh, uh, man. So yeah, but oh, yeah. the thing is, is that uh, because Joe wasn't at the meeting, you know, Riley's upset and he's like, "Oh no, I was really hoping that this was going to work out for Joe," you know. I, but uh, Paul, Paul's like, oh no no no, it's okay. You know, I, I spoke to him yesterday. He's fine, uh, but he's 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 just on the mainland visiting his sister. There's a problem mm-hmm. with that statement though, because at the end of the last meeting, when Riley and Riley and uh, uh, Joe were speaking, mm-hmm. Joe drops the fact that uh, his sister died just a few weeks before. Uh huh. So, I mean. The thing is, is that you could, like, the thing is, like, if I were in this situation, I could have read read into that, like, oh, maybe he's, like, visiting her grave. Because that was something that was brought up in Joe and Riley's conversation, is that she was buried off-island. Right, right. She's buried on the mainland. Her, ki- her kids buried her on the mainland. So I was like, okay, well, maybe he's visiting her grave. Like, this is, like, this is a part of his journey. But, of course, Riley's like, this is fishy as fuck. And I'm not talking about the boats. Kids these days, they're saying sus. Like, you gotta say it's sus now. No. Just because I'm on TikTok doesn't mean I have to talk like the teens on TikTok. Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, um, Riley goes back to confront Paul because he knows Paul lied to him uh, instead of going to Aaron's house like he said he would. Like, he's about to go to her house and he's like, nah, there's, some, there's, like, there's something fucking wrong with this. Mm-hmm. And he's correct. the vampire is there. Yeah, he sees the vampire. He gets freaked out and he's about to leave. Except the vampire, you know, it's a, it's a fucking vampire with wings, uh, mm-hmm. and it straight up just like fucking munches on Riley's neck. And then we get to episode five, uh, which I'm blank again, blanking on the name of the episode. Shit, well, what is it called? Why? While you're double checking that, uh, I did kind of chuckle when I noticed that uh, for the mass scene. In this episode, they ended up covering the crucifix behind him with a cloth. <laughs> I Father Paul with a cloth. You know, I mm-hmm. never noticed that. I really never noticed that. Really? Uh, go yeah. Uh, by the way, I actually got the names of uh, of earlier episodes completely wrong. Uh, my bad. Episode two was called Psalms. Episode three was Proverbs, the episode where Lisa... Uh, uh, forgave Joe because that's all, mm-hmm. that's part of the, part of Proverbs. Episode four was called Lamentations. This is the episode called Gospel, where our man Paul Hill starts to try and spread the gospel to Riley and explain to him what's going on with him because Riley is now a vampire. Yep, our boy's a vampire, or he's he's really like half vampire. Because there is a process to this. Uh, your blood will get drained, but you have to die. Like, you're not dead yet. Uh, and mm-hmm. you have the craving for blood. Uh, but you have to die first, and then you come back. 
Right. Yeah, it's like right. your blood gets drunk, and then like they like the the um, the, the 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 angel as as Father Hill likes to call call it. Um, it it then you have to then drink the blood of the angel. Uh, that's how you're able to stay alive, but then you have to die, literally die, and then you are resurrected. Uh, so he is, he is, he has not died yet. Uh, he, is, mm-hmm. but so he is still in the early stages of vampirism. Uh, while this is going, and then this is like the thing is like this is all revealed in the latter half of the episode. The first like twenty minutes of this episode is dedicated to. Aaron going around the island trying to find Riley, and then you find out that he is not the only one missing. Because when Aaron goes to goes to talk to Hassan about Riley being like Riley missing, he you know like by this point he is at least the third person that that Hassan knows is not around. Like he knows Joe is gone. Um, mm-hmm. The local drug dealer Bill. Uh, or Bull, as everyone else calls him, but hmm. Bill, uh, Bill's mother has arrived and is and, and is trying to file a, file a missing persons report on him. Mm-hmm. So Hassan starts to get a little, a little suspicious of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, uh, Aaron, you know, and like like uh, Riley finally shows up at Aaron's doorstep at night. And she lays into him. She's like, like I was, I've been fucking worried sick about you. I've been ringing you all day. Like what? Like like this? Like you don't get to just act like this and fall off the face of the fucking planet. This is bullshit. What the fuck is mm-hmm. what, what is what is wrong with you? You exactly. had us all worried. Um, and he and he like you know kind of plays into you know their past and says like, remember that night when you came to my came to my bedroom window, scared me shitless, and asked me to come out with you on a rowboat into the middle of the water and watch the stars. Will you do that with me right now? Mm-hmm. And because, and the thing is she still trusts him. I mean, re- I mean, to be honest, outside of being gone the entire day, she really doesn't have like any reason to not trust him at this point outside of him not being gone for the whole day. But she is still very skeptical. And then they get on the rowboat. And then he explains exactly what happened. She tells, like, he tells her, like, I'm going to tell you a story. And mm-hmm. I just need you to listen to it. Because you're not going to believe it. But all I ask of you is to listen to what I have to say. And he explains to her what's happened. And, uh... After he's explained, you know, that uh, Paul Hill is actually John Pruitt... Is not all who he seems. Um, there is a vampire amongst us, mm-hmm. and uh, then he reveals why they were on the rowboat. On the on the rowboat because you know Ugh. Aaron points out like you know Aaron points out like you know we are out here where I literally can't go anywhere, and you just told me that you know you're essentially a blood sucking monster now. Um, so. You know, mm-hmm. what was you, like? It's just like you know, like if you're trying to scare me, you can't scare me. Like, and like mm-hmm. whatever you like, and she just lays it out on the line. Like, whatever you need, I will be there for you. Whatever help you need, I will be with you. I will be with you every step of the way, because I love you. And then he <sighs> says, "Well, actually, no, I didn't bring you out here to frighten you." 
I brought you out here so I wouldn't have anywhere to go. And they tell each other that they love that they and he tells her, you know, like, you know, after what mm-hmm. you're about to he's like, I really wish you couldn't see this, but there's really no other way that you would believe what's going to like what's happen what you believe what I just told you. Right, so you're exactly. gonna have to see this. And your first instinct is going to be to try and get everyone else, everyone you can off that off the island. Well, what I'm going to tell you is you need to run. I love you. And she says, I love you too. Mm-hmm. The sun rises. Yeah. And he turns to ash. And we, and we sit there and watch as the credits roll. While Aaron is screaming in pain. From watching mm-hmm. this person that she loves just be obliterated in the sun. It mm-hmm. is heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's get into the last two episodes. Yeah, Acts of the Apostles and Revelation. I love everything about these last two episodes. Just throwing that out. Yes! <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> like, I, like, you know... I, here, okay, here's the thing, Parish. I just want yes. to say this. Mm-hmm. You you kept saying that this just wasn't for you. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that as we've as we're talking about this, it seems like you actually really did enjoy this show. It's just you would have enjoyed it more as a book. Exactly. That's exactly it. So at the end of the day, you actually did like it. I see the merit in it. But okay. I would never rewatch it, honestly. Because That's fair. Or if that's or fair. if I did, I would just rewatch the last two episodes. <laughs> That's fair. I, I can I can I can get behind that. because um, I mean I, I did rewatch the whole show for for this for, for our discussion. Because um, right. I, I, I did because I was one of the day one I was a day one person for this. I watched it like I time I actually like looked up the time when is Netflix going to drop this? I'm going to watch it as soon as it drops. And that's exactly what I did. I, I was up at 2 a.m. waiting for this to drop, and as soon as it did, I started watching it. Um, so I was a day one person for this. So I did I, I did feel the need to rewatch it because I was like, there's all going to be a lot that I just like have not retained. Um, and there was quite a bit that I just like did not, I just totally fucking forgot. Um, mm-hmm. But I, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I completely... As someone who who was probably going to be going to rewatch this show at least once a year, um, maybe even twice, uh, I completely understand where you're coming from. I really do. I every, appreciate every, it. Yeah, what yeah what you say absolutely makes sense in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I would love. I I want to see that book. I want that book because it's also because honestly, like. It would be a book that I wouldn't want to recommend to everyone. Just like I want to recommend the show to everyone, I would recommend the fuck out of the book if it ever got released. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and sure. um, and then honestly, Parish, then we just then you and I would just probably start a book club centered around that book. <laughs> just that book. I mean, it would probably be the first thing, but it, but right. yeah, 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 yeah. Or we could just start a po- we we just start a podcast around it. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one, I mean, pa- the and this and episode one, we're gonna be discussing uh, p- uh chapter one, pages one through three. <laughs> <laughs> Just go fucking page by page. What? The- uh, but but yeah. instead, instead, uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna discuss the last two episodes, uh, which are certifiable bangers. 
Yes. <laughs> Front to back. Because mm-hmm. it starts off immediately after um, Aerith has finished her screaming fit. And she just rows back to the ma- to the island. And this is where the freaking We get our own little sides versus religion midnight, midnight mass style. Because at this point, the town doctor has been doing these experiments with the blood samples that she's collected for the population. And that's how she's... And she tries to... Like, she doesn't even... Her mind doesn't go towards the supernatural immediately. She tries to find some kind of scientific explanation first. Yeah, which, which the thing is, like, and the, the way she's laying it out, I'm like, yeah, I buy it. Like, this like, this sense. does... Th- 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 like, because what, something I love, and uh, in, in, actually in a lot of vampire pieces, because I, like, I don't know about you, I'm a massive fan of vampires. I fucking love vampires. I, I don't know how you feel about them. Honestly, um... I don't go crazy for them, but yeah, I like them. I like vampires. Yeah, I, I, I'm a... I'm a fucking massive fan of vampires i mean hell my favorite movie of all time is a movie about a vampire right um and there are plenty of great vampire movies in fact actually i feel bad because um in uh this book that i that, that there's a great book that i got um which i've already shown parades it's a book called midnight mass the art of horror by abby bernstein and it's um it's like it's a coffee table book that is all about the making of midnight mass and it has interviews with with mike flanagan and 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 Trevor Macy, the producer, and and everyone involved in the production in, in the creation of the show, and uh, in the forward, Mike Flanagan wrote the forward to the book, and he mentions that his favorite movie of his favorite vampire movie is Werner Herzog's Nosferatu, the Vampire, and mm-hmm. I hate to say that I've actually never seen it, I mean, and I feel like yeah. I feel real bad because like oh, well, as someone who says I fucking love vampires. Right, I should right. have seen that already, because <laughs> I have seen Nosferatu, the the original like FDW Murnau's Nosferatu, which is a fantastic movie. Um, mm-hmm. Todd Browning's Dracula is actually a movie that I'm like, I would like it if it just had fucking music in it. The problem, <laughs> like the problem, like to me, honestly, the biggest problem for me with with the original Todd Browning Dracula and the original James Whale Frankenstein is there's no music. Huh. Yeah, I don't know why. But there's a but yeah so like that's why like Bride of Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. The Wolfman, The Invisible Man, those are my favorite Universal, those are my favorite like Universal monster movies in particular yeah. Bride of Frankenstein. I love Hell fuck yeah. I fucking love Bride of Frankenstein. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I love vampires. I love The Lost Boys. I love Fright Night. I love uh, Coppola's. Dra- I love Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. I love fucking uh, Near Dark. Third, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Thirty Days a Night. I love Interview with the Vampire. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got, there's so much vampire shit, and also like, mm-hmm. you know, I am kind of known as the comics the comics dude. There are plenty of great vampire comics. I mean, hell, Thirty Days of Night is based on a comic. Uh, yep. There's also the fantastic American Vampire by Scott Snyder and Raphael vampire, Albuquerque. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's a and, and a great one that's about to wrap up. Uh, Redneck by Donny Cates and Lissandra Esterin. I, I, I fully endorse Redneck. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic comic. I'm really sad to see it ending, um, but I'm I'm but I I'm I think it's going to end on a real high note. It's a it's a as a great series. I highly recommend Redneck. Um, and in fact, I have like my own vampire comic that I'm that I've been working on for the past like two two oh, and a half cool. years. 
yeah, I, I, yeah, like I said, I love vampires. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, I love the idea. So, I, I've always loved the idea of certain pieces treat vampirism like it is a disease or a virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, and, and that's the way that Sarah Gunning is treating it. She's treating it like it is a virus. She's trying to science the shit out of this. <laughs> yeah, I think she even mentions an actual virus by name that of what it could possibly be. Yeah, and yeah. I I'm not even gonna try to remember. I, I never Me I did neither. not try to remember it. I Me did neither. not I'm not gonna try to pronounce it. I'm not gonna try and spell it because it was some weird <laughs> fucking Latin shit that I did not want to try and figure <laughs> out. But exactly. but what I love is that she actually brings a real world like uh, thing into this where she mentions uh, a I forget when this I think it was like the late 1800s there was a doctor who was the head of two maternity wards um, mm-hmm. one that was like basically it was like one that was for rich women and then one that was for the one that was for like the homeless and the poor and mm-hmm. one had a higher mortality rate than the other it, but it was a surprise which one it was it was the one where all the rich people were and it was so bad that to the point where, uh, you know, the, that like you could, you would, you were actually safer just giving birth on the street is what, is how Sarah puts it. Ooh. And the, and like the doctor, like he's trying to figure out like, like, you know, like, holy shit, like, how do I, you know, like, like he does test after test and it's driving him fucking insane until he just decides like, Hey, you know what? Maybe like, like for no reason at all. What if we washed our hands uh, before right, we, like, yep. from, like from going to the yep. morgue into the maternity ward? Right. And what do you know? Mortality rates plummet. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Except. She yeah, she mentions all of except that. Yeah, yeah. This, like, this doctor was ridiculed by the science community. Mm-hmm. He was put into an asylum because, because like, like the idea of germs spreading yeah. like that was still two decades was still two decades away and he was put into an asylum and the doctor who took over from him got rid of that little that hand pesky little hand washing thing, thing <laughs> hand washing uh thing and Practice. guess what mortality rates went right back up mm-hmm. and this is her trying to explain like yeah you're, you're right aaron you do sound crazy but so did he, and guess what? He was mm-hmm. right. And then, and then she comes in, and she's like, "Yeah," and, she, and I love that she keeps saying the line of like, "Yeah, it's crazy. It's batshit insane. It's crazy." And then she yeah. just takes a piece, like a piece of drop and just pushes it into the sun, and it just fucking bursts into flames. <laughs> it explodes. It's, it's it's like the fuck. It's like the thing. Yes. It's the thing. It's yes, the thing test. Yes, it is. It it really is. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Good catch. Yeah, it's just the thing test. And then right after that moment, because of course, like the smoke alarm goes off and Mm -hmm. who walks into the room, but Mildred Gunning looking like she's fucking 35. Oh my God. So what, what am I, I actually had to eat crow in my notes because, um, I put, I wrote down it in my notes, just like, why does the doctor's mom look like uh, more like a woman in old makeup than an actual old woman? And then, as I watched the rest of the show, I put an asterisk next to that, wrote off in the margins, never mind, that was the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. 
Yeah, it was. <sighs> oh, Damn, this show's so good. But yeah, uh, they get together yeah. and they put together their little plan about how they want to go about this now. And that's when we're treated to why to one of my favorite just moments in the entire show. The East I call I dubbed it the Easter March. Yeah, it's well it, it, well it's actually called uh it was it, it's I believe they actually just call it the Easter Procession because that's Easter Procession. That's what yeah, it, okay. Yes, yeah, it's the better. Easter Procession. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because something that happens starts happening throughout the throughout the town um mm-hmm. the all the you know like the boats are like partially boat engines are partially taken apart the two ferries are called off until morning are mm-hmm. called off island for for repairs quote unquote mm-hmm. uh the electric all the electricity goes out the phone tower goes out mm-hmm. there is no way to get off the island or to call for help they are completely isolated. Yep. And so. Hassan has already like already known like 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 he 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 like he's been told multiple from multiple people already, and mostly Aaron and Sarah, that there's something going on with with St. Patrick's the church. And then Ali, he is going to the midnight mass. Up ah, there, there it is. Midnight yeah. mass. Yeah, because you know, because Paul can't go out into the sun, or else he's gonna fucking burst into flames. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they got to do midnight mass, yo. And uh, Ali mentions these like there's gonna be like they're talking about them like like performing a miracle tonight. Hassan's like, when he hears the word miracle, he's like, I think I gotta go. I gotta go. Now, before we get into the events of what happens at at mass. (laughs) <laughs> we gotta talk about Hassan and his backstory. Yes. Because my god did that hit home. <laughs> yes. So essentially, so this is when Sarah Gunning, like this is before Sarah, Mildred, and Aaron discover that they are becoming isolated on the island. Um, but Sarah is asking Hassan to look into the church because she believes that that the church is spreading a virus but she can't really say more than that because she knows that like you know whatever she's going to say is going to sound crazy so hassan is asking he's like you know you want me to investigate saint patrick's and he's like so did i and he asked her like did i ever tell you what like why i took this position she shakes her head says no he's like that's right i didn't tell you in fact, I didn't tell anybody. Essentially, his story is is that he was in college when 9-11 happened. Yep. And at that time, he was not Muslim. But he still went to the mosque because they were doing a blood drive. Mm-hmm. And then he decided that, you know, that, that this was the opportunity to become, that he moved to New York and he became a cop. And he, and he worked the beat. And he talks about, uh, you know, leaning, like leaning on drug dealers, even more so if they are Muslim. Uh, he talks about when he eventually makes detective is doing this more often. He becomes a liaison with the FBI and is like basically like helping the FBI try to catch terrorists in America. He gets married. Mm -hmm. Ali is born. He converts to Islam Mm -hmm. 
because his wife is is a, is Muslim. Is a Muslim, yeah. Then he starts to realize that what they're doing is wrong. That the yeah. fact that they're essentially turning these these piece the, you know, these people who have done nothing wrong into informants for the police by infiltrating the mosque. And he's like, no, this is awful and fucked up. And as he puts it, he complains once, very lightly. And how does that go for him? He is stripped of being a detective. He's back on the beat. And he is ridiculed. And then his wife is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she dies. So then this position comes up on an island. There hasn't been a violent crime reported in almost a century. And he begs for the post. And as he puts it, he's, his direct quote is, Ali is bored to tears, but at least he's safe. And I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. That is, that right there yeah. is one, like that is absolutely fucking heartbreaking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So and that's Cops why. Are bad. Yeah. Cops are and bad. That's, Defund the and, police. And this is why he does. He thinks it's a terrible idea for him to investigate St. Patrick's. And as he points out, he doesn't even carry a gun. Because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, mm. I mean, honestly, like, around that town, I mean, if personally, if I were sheriff, I probably wouldn't carry around a gun either. Yeah. Because it seems like there really is absolutely zero reason why you would need to. There's nothing exactly. going on there. So now... That we've explained this. Mm -hmm. uh, back to the Midnight Mass. The titular Midnight Mass, actually. Yeah. And uh, Paul Hill, you know, he, he asks for, he, you know, he, he actually starts a confession right there in front of the church. He, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Or, you know, or bless, you know, bless yeah. me, for I, for I have sinned. Uh, sorry, the yeah. table shifted. Um, it has been too long since his last confession. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he explains to them that he has lied to them. That John Pru that Monsignor Pruitt is not uh, recovering on the mainland. In fact, he is, he is alive and well, standing in front of you, confessing his sins. And I love, like, there's the little murmurs in the crowd, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And of course, you got like Aaron and Mildred and Sarah just sitting there yeah. like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> and you got Hassan there next to his son. He's like, the fuck is going on? You've got Ed and Annie who have not seen their son. And they're like, the fuck is it's going, going on? on. <laughs> yep. Luckily, they and get their answer. Yeah. Um, so remember when we said, uh, Joe's sweet, beautiful baby boy, Pike died and then back in, all the way back in episode two. Yeah. Um, not just died. He was brutally fucking murdered by Bev Keen, um, who can non-politely go fuck herself for mm -hmm. just for that alone can non-politely right. go fuck herself. That alone <laughs> sends her to the ninth level of hell. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, Parish, how 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 did she manage to murder that sweet innocent boy? 
She poisoned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, compound 1080, I believe, is what it was called. This uh, she uses, as she says, she uses it for rat poison, and it's just stored at the school. Um. Well, mm-hmm. then we cut to uh, Bev going into the back of the church, and there are trays filled with cups that are filled with 1080. And she brings one of those cups out to Sturge to show what is going to happen to everyone. Sturge drinks it, and he violently dies. Like, yeah. It, yeah. it's 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 hard to watch it's gross like he is spitting up foaming in the mouth spitting up blood mm-hmm. is like we're, it's it's we're it, talking it is tim, Bur- tim burton sweetie todd levels of blood here yeah we're talking like this could fit into a clive barker movie without question mm-hmm. no yeah and of course Immediately when that happens, Hasana's like, "Oh fuck no, Ollie, we're getting the hell out of here." And 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 Ollie's like, "No, Dad, we're not leaving. Like like you know, like something's gonna happen." So Hassan pulls his gun. Oh wait, remember when I said he doesn't carry a gun? Well now he does. It's, yeah. <laughs> well now he does because you know what? Shit's going down. Mm-hmm. And he shoots Paul Hill in the head. Yep. Yep. Then gets tackled to the ground. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I missed a part. Um, the angel shows up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The angel shows up, yeah. and um, I forget what it's called, but like the very decorative robe, robes that Catholic priests wear. Um, it's a shabazz. Yeah. That's what it's called. A shabazz. shabazz. It's wearing right. a shabazz. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, honestly, that is like whew, that is a creepy image to see like this giant like godlike vampire with bat wings this winged vampiric creature wearing a catholic shabazz oh boy be not afraid be not afraid oh my god and like paul has explanation of like why the angel looks that way and i'm like because it's like oh every time an angel is mentioned in the bible and 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 someone encounters the angel they're always the human the person is always told be not afraid and I'm like, I was like, no, it makes sense. Stop it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then uh, my, my apologies for skipping ahead. But Hassan then murders Paul Hill. Right. Quote, unquote, murders. It, quote, unquote. No, I was about uh, to say, yeah, quote, unquote. No, he did. No, he's fine. He's fine. He's honestly fine. Uh, well, Ali drinks the 1080. He's already taken the sacrament. And then a bunch of people start drinking the 1080. And... Yeah. All fucking hell breaks loose in that church. Because everyone who has died and has come back is now a full-fledged fucking vampire. And they start attacking everyone who's not. Yep. And it is a full-fledged bloodbath up in this bitch. Blood bath. Yeah. Blood bath. <laughs> Whoo, boy. I mean, boy, and I'm not kidding. Howdy. It is a bloodbath in there. Um yeah, uh Mildred gunning, she picks up she picks up the gun that Hassan that Hassan uh dropped it when he got yep. when he got tackled or was ripped from his hand. She tries to shoot the the, the, the creature. Um mm-hmm. the creature then attacks her. Then Aaron picks up the gun, she carries it, and she's able to 
get Lisa Scarborough and Warren Flynn, Annie Flynn and Sarah Gunning uh, and, and Hassan out the fucking door. And also, by the way, also <laughs> shooting Bev Keen. Because Bev Keen, she hides in the fucking back. <laughs> you hid? Yeah. <laughs> I love, and honestly, I'm like, yeah, she would. She would. She would fucking hide in the back. She doesn't have the stomach. Like, it's like all of us, like, it was like, oh, you have the stomach for, to, like, to just let everyone murder each other. But once you gotta do it, you have a weak stomach? <laughs> uh, 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 uh. That ain't how this works, cupcake. <laughs> No, fuck you, blab. We have five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's like it's like you know what's going to happen. Like I'm gonna have five minutes, blam. We have five minutes. Like that. Honestly, yeah. I'm like I love that Kate Siegel got to have the act like the action hero line. Like that was yeah the one liner. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty great. I love that. So yeah, and uh, that's now... how the episode ends. <laughs> yeah, that's how that episode ends. And now hey. we're in. The last episode. The final Revelation. episode. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot that happens in this episode. And I guess we can like kind of quickly run through the the sequence of events here. Yeah. Um, so, so everyone who's alive. So we so uh, so a quick head count of those who are of our, our, our survivor group right here. We've got uh, Riley's surviving mother and younger brother, Annie and Warren. We've got Aaron. We've got Sarah Gunning, Doctor, and we've got Hassan, and that is our survivor group so far. In mm-hmm. in the in it, and they've reconvened at Aaron's house. Uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. The main thing they definitely want to do is burn the boats and get the kids to safety. Oh, my bad. I forgot yeah. to say. Sorry. Also, Lisa Lisa Scarborough. I my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, can't forget Lisa. It's like two main things that they want to do get the kids to safety and destroy the boats because they're talking about like, you know, at this point, you know, it's no longer about whether or not we survive. It's a matter of making sure the world survives. Yeah. Yeah. Getting this contained. And that is just so amazing because my first thought when they all convened in that house to discuss strategy was just like, well, shit, how are they going to get out of this? Well, that's the thing. They're not. And they accept. Yeah. They just straight up say, it's like, (laughs) Yeah, like, at this point, it's like, no, we can't survive. There's no way. We can make sure the kids survive, though, and we can make sure the world is safe, but that means we're not going to be. And then the house gets attacked. Molotov cocktails. Yes. Uh, Bev Keen and Sturge are just throwing a, throw a Molotov cocktail, so, and he's like, no, you get my you get my son out of here. You get, you get everyone to safety, Aaron. I gotta go talk to... He's like... I have something to say to Bev. And I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen here? And then she just says everything that the audience has been wanting to say to all of the Bev Keens in the world. You are not a good person. God doesn't love you more than everyone else. What is so wrong that God loved my son just as much as he loved you. And then after all of that, when they're about to go into the house, she takes the knife yeah. that she was given and stabs herself in the throat, killing her. So, yeah. But she killed herself. Provides... And that provides a distraction. A because, you know, vampires? Blood. Free blood. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. You do the math. You do the math. Yeah. So now... Uh, are there are so now Annie is dead, 
and uh, Bev and Serge have gotten distracted. Um, in their distraction, more houses start to burn. But Bev now decides, like, hey, you know, we've got the rec center. You know, we know that the boats are fine. All we have to do is, you know, plug a few things back in, and we're gonna and we're gonna be on our way. So it's time for revelation, motherfuckers. We're gonna burn the entire fucking island, except for the church and and the rec center, where mm-hmm. they're going to be staying. Thing is, our heroes are like five steps ahead of them. Oh yeah. So now we've got the kids. Uh, go. They 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 you know they are kind of not like. They, they get separated from the group, but they go off and, and they do whatever they can to, and, and they do what they can to survive and get the heck off the island. Aaron, mm-hmm. Sarah, and Hassan decide, you know, they, you know, they decide we're going to burn, we're, like, you know, we're going to burn the boats. We're going to burn the only way they can get off the island without swimming off the fucking island. Mm-hmm. We're going to burn the fucking boats. And I love, God, I love the moment. I love the moment between Aaron and Sarah and they're talking about, like, I really hope the kids make it. And Sarah just says, they made it to the boat. I decided that they made it. And I'm just like, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here fucking bawling my eyes out, just like fucking pumping my fist in the air to this like, fuck, yes. <laughs> Tears streaming down my face because this episode is so goddamn sad. Uh, because yeah. you know what else is happening during this whole time? Uh, remember we said that Mildred, she got fucking attacked by the creature and uh, but now, but now she's up. Mm-hmm. She's up and about. And she goes and sits with Paul, who has now recovered from the massive gunshot wound in his head. And yep. Paul reveals that the whole reason he did this was for her. Because yeah. guess who Sarah's father is? <sighs> the Padre. <laughs> yeah. Father Paul is a father, and God, that was so heartbreaking to watch. And in, in, in her telling, and her telling him, like you know, you know, our whole like, like yeah, like yeah, I would have loved for you know us to have had more time together, but I wasn't going to ruin four lives. I wasn't gonna, you know, because she's like you know the war, like you know the war had just ended and. You know, and, and, you know, my husband and I were happy. I wasn't about to just ruin everyone's lives just for the two of us to have a little bit of happiness together. But the, but she's like, but the whole point was that, you know, like, you know, our job is to get them ready and then fade away and then fade away. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to get forever. That's not how this works. And that, Mm -hmm. again, Heartbreaking. There are dogs outside. <laughs> I don't know if the mic's picking that up. I feel like the mic might be picking one, picking picking that up a little bit. Um, For what it's worth, I can't hear him. Speaking of outside, because I'm just a master of segues, um, Bev and all of her little posse are trying to get inside. Like Stone Sour? Uh, sure. I'm sorry, everyone. There's a song by Stone Sour called "Get Inside." I I apologize to everyone for that really fucking stupid joke. Um, actually, no, I don't apologize. It was funny. It was funny for me. Um, yeah. So, so, Bev and Sturge just keep fucking burning down everything, literally everything, except for the boats in the church and the rec center. Except, guess what? Our heroes are burning the boats. 
So that's mm-hmm. at least taken care of. Um, and then, uh, you know, Bev, like Bev, like, you know, gathers everyone. Uh, she's talking to Paul and Paul's like, yeah, no, we did this wrong. We did everything wrong. This, this is not right. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have done this. And, and now Bev, just like she liked to do using scripture once mm-hmm. again to, for her own ends. And she's, you know, calling Paul a traitor and, ugh, I really hate this calling Mitra to calling calling her a whore which i ugh, i hate it yeah I hate that. yeah uh, that, that uh, yet another bev keen special of why uh yet, yet reason number 382 why i want to punch bev keen in the face uh <laughs> so she goes into the rec center like doing a head count and then we get this scene of her berating this man uh because he did not attend church and yet he is still alive he has been quote unquote saved by Sturge. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he did not know what was going on, he killed his wife and daughter or children. In actually, the tra- He had multiple children and yep. he did not know how to bring them back. And she's berating him for this and berating Sturge for this. And Paul says, that's okay. Everyone is welcome in the church. Come in the church. Mm-hmm. Everyone is welcome at St. Patrick's. He walks in. And who does he find? But Sarah Gunning pouring a bunch of fucking gasoline. Gasoline all over the pews and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and oh man, what a heartbreaking moment of Paul just standing there like, make sure you get out the back door. And she's like, yeah, that was the plan. He's like, mm-hmm. I wish you, I wish your, like, your mother and I had told you what was like, 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 you know, who your father was. I wish I'd gotten more time with you. And he's just it's like, I'm really proud. And he just stands there and he's like, I'm just really proud of you. And then she gets shot. And then Sturge shoots her. <laughs> <sighs> and, you know, and of course, Paul, like, goes to attack Sturge, but, but you know, mm-hmm. he, he immediately pretty much gets called up in Mildred because he realizes, like, no, this isn't important. What's important is my daughter. And he and Mildred mm-hmm. run, run in the church and... He tries to save Sarah, and Sarah's like, "No." She spits out. She, she immediately she spits out his blood, and she's like, "This is like." She's like, "This is not how this power goes. move." Fucking power yes. move. Like she. And she's like, she, "Yeah, this is not." Father how this Paul. Goes. Yeah, cu- cuts his head and tries to feed her, feed her his blood, and she just spits it out as she's dying. Yeah. So instead, uh, you know, realizing that like this, like this is what's going to happen now, you know. He mm-hmm. and Mildred take her to her favorite spot on the island, which is this uh, small bridge over in the marsh, and decide to mm-hmm. watch the sunrise together. All the while, Hassan yeah. gets caught outside the rec center pouring gasoline. Mm-hmm. Sensing a pattern here. Um, mm-hmm. And Bev picks up the gun that Sturge was holding and mm-hmm. uh, shoots Hassan in the leg. Yep. And her true, her real true racist colors come out. Come out, yeah. and she just straight up calls him a terrorist. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you, uh, uh, what yeah, the fuck are you? Yeah, I'm gonna You fucking piece, you fucking piece of shit. And I, lo- I got it. What, a, what a fucking power move when, he, when, and she's like, what, like, what? You were just going to, you know, try and murder us when we were alone. It's completely empty. And he's like, not completely empty. And then Aaron walks out and she's been pouring gasoline inside the whole fucking time. <laughs> and she lights the lighter. 
and he's about to light the place on fire. Except, remember the creature? Yeah. God, the that pesky creature. Uh-huh. That, pe- ugh, that old, old creature, you old scamp. Uh, yeah, he attacks Aaron, <laughs> starts feeding on Aaron. She is, of course, in immense pain. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Hassan gets shot in the belly. Uh, mm-hmm. And Ali, he goes over, picks up the lighter, and Bev tries to coax him. And he's like, yeah, nah, and no. just lights the place on fire. <laughs> and yep. he goes to his dad. And he takes and he picks up his dad and he you know they and they walk to the beach. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 uh, Warren, yeah, and then Warren the closing and Warren moments. Ali- oh wait, yeah, yeah Warren Eliza, Warren Eliza, they they're able to get off the island. Uh, they they actually confront the creature. You know, nothing really comes of that. You know, they they, they do light the creature on fire for a bit, which is which was nice, which you know was and um slowed Aaron... him down, slowed him down a little bit. Aaron does cut holes in its wings. Yes. What a fucking awesome thing to do. Yes. She just takes her knife and starts cutting holes into his wings and can't fucking fly away. Um, Annie and Ed, they re- they have reunited. They're, they have both been fully turned, but, you know, they, they're, they're talking about, you know, you know, we haven't fed, you know, you know, mm-hmm. so they just decide, like, we're not going to change who we are. We are who we are. And... Everyone kind of meets after the events happening at the rec center with it burning down. Everyone, you know, kind of returns to the to the town square, uh, mm-hmm. and so we've Start got singing. Lisa and Warren. Yeah, God, yeah, we got Lisa and Warren out on the rowboat, and everyone just accepts the fact that they're going to die. This is it. Yeah, they start singing. Uh, Hassan and ha- yeah, Hassan and Ali. They start praying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, um, just, I just want to say my favorite part about all this was just everyone there had made their peace. They're all singing, they're doing, they're saying their prayers, except for Bev, who dies dies crying. Yeah. Desperate and scared. And I loved it. Yeah, I gotta say, first time watching it, I cheered at that scene. Yes. Uh, this time, this time around watching it though, I wasn't able to cheer because I was crying too hard. I mean, because yeah, this is like I said, it's the cherry on top. Like it's just I I, I need to it's figure out the cherry out what on top the of name- a misery Sunday. I need to figure out what the name of that song they were singing at the at the end there because oh um I actually uh, I I had it it's my it's not my God to thee there's another word in it but it's uh my yeah mm-hmm. like like but yeah um but yeah while you're looking looking for that um just the way that it's pre- of course all about presentation um as the sun creeps over the horizon they all the voices. Stop at the same time. Once the sort of sod reaches a certain height, and I'm just like, Ugh. oh boy, goosebumps. Yep. And we get Aaron uh, in her dying moments. Mm-hmm. She is reunited with Riley, and mm-hmm. she is explaining what has happening as she dies. Mm-hmm. And I was crying very hard during this scene because 
honestly, as an atheist, this mm-hmm. this monologue, which I'm actually like right now kind of having a hard time remember, but I know in the moment listening to it again, I realized that it's like, you know what, this is this is the best explanation of the afterlife from my right. point of view. Right. And our final scene, you know, the, the our creature is flying, is trying to fly off, but you know, it can't before yeah. the sun flies up. And Warren and Lisa, they're sitting in the boat. Mm-hmm. And Lisa looks over at Warren and she says, I can't feel my legs. And she smiles. Mm-hmm. And then cut to black, directed by Mike Flanagan, Flanagan. written by Mike Flanagan, created by Mike Flanagan. That's the end of Midnight Mess, baby. <sighs> so, wow, what do you know? Up... We're, we we have not hit four hours. What the yeah. heck? Well, we're coming up on threes, but um, yeah, but since we're coming up on three <laughs> oh, hours, um, oh my God. So yeah, just some closing thoughts uh jd you go first um i i genuinely love this show i love everything about it i love i love that i love that mike flanagan a creator who i i deeply admire um finally got to got to realize uh this this story that is is the most meaningful to him uh and um I really love it. It, it. It's it's you know I I feel like I've already said everything I want to say about the show at this point. So I just I just really want to say yeah. I love it. And 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 if 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 you've gotten this far of this episode, and you haven't watched it yet. Holy crap! Um, please <laughs> go watch it. I mean, yeah, we spoiled the absolute fuck out of it for you, but please go watch it. And if you've already watched it, I mean, like, and especially if you if you watched it, you know, when it came out, when it initially came out, like I did. You know, honestly, re- you know, great time to to have a rewatch. It's been a few months. You know, just you know, sit down and have a little have a little binge party going. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a it's a really really great watch. Yeah, and um, like I said earlier, although this wasn't my personal cup of tea, um, I think a big well, one last thing I'll say before I before we close out is uh, I think what it was for me is that. When it comes to Flanagan's previous work, like let, I'm just gonna pick Doctor Sleep as a, um, the themes from that one really resonated with me on a personal level, and I think just this is just a completely subjective thing is that there wasn't enough here, for probably because of the whole Catholic aspect, because I know next to nothing about mass or Catholicism, so I wasn't really um, familiar with. Like the feelings of religious guilt or Catholic guilt or, or or even the processes that they go through, but still struggling with religion and struggling with faith. That's that's a I think that's a more, more of a widespread issue than we than you would think. So there, it, although the, there wasn't anything here that was strong enough to resonate with me, apart from the last two episodes, <laughs> I still recommend that people give it a shot. If for nothing else, just to see a crash course in how to how to monologue, basically. <laughs> so yeah, in nombre de padre, de fili, and espiritu santi, mm-hmm. I declare this and, episode closed. <laughs> uh, however, before we go, I I yeah. did promise at the top of the episode that I wanted to give a a quick little recommended reading yes. list. 
Yes. Um, so really quickly, um, yes, of course, I'm going to recommend some Stephen King stuff um, because like this pulls heavily from Stephen King. However, before I get to Stephen King stuff, um, kind of related to uh, to more to the haunting of Hill House. Uh, there's a really great book that I that I, I fucking love. It's called A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Paul Tremblay is a fantastic writer. Uh, he's he's put out so many great books like Disappearance of Devil's Rock and The Cabin at the End of the World and Survivor Song. He has a new book coming out this year called The Pallbearers Club. But I highly recommend A Head Full of Ghosts, um, especially if you are if you if you like me are a massive fan of The Haunting of Hill House and what Flanagan did with that show. Uh, I I highly recommend A Head Full of Ghosts and and what goes on there. Um, but more related to Midnight Mass, I think, like, personally, I would say, like, the three stories that I think most tie to to this show are, for sure, Salem's Lot, Needful Things, mm-hmm. and Revival. Ooh, so I, I would say uh, check those three out. Um, I think um, any one of those, is, uh, maybe not Needful. I don't think Needful Things is a great one, is a great King book to start off with. But I would definitely say Salem's Lot and Revival are great ones to start off with if you're if you're unfamiliar with King. And, and but you but you like this show and you want to read read some of, some of thing of his. I would definitely recommend Salem's Lot and Revival to start off with, and then eventually get to Needful Things. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of meat in those books to, to, to chew on. Needful Things was my first Stephen King book. Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, wait, I had to ask you, have you read, have you seen the movie? I have not, no. Okay, don't. Okay. Yeah, just, just, just don't. We'll talk about this off mic. We don't need to, we don't need to, we don't need to go into a 30 minute discussion on, on Needful Things right now. <laughs> right, right, right. But, what we could do is you could take maybe five minutes and just tell people where they could find you and what you've been doing on the internet. Oh, oh, I, I would, I would love to, Parish. Uh, but, but before I do, real quick, I want to ask: When is this episode coming out? Uh, it'll be out by. It'll be out before the end of the month. I want to. Okay. I want this uh, to be a so, February release. Okay, so I'm just going to say uh, that. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at, uh, I'm on, uh, JD underscore Martin underscore, because there's for some reason a lot of JD Martins out there, and that was the one that I landed with. Um, so you can follow me there. Um, I co-host the podcast Fables and Reflections with Angela Bones Bullock. We're under the Certain POV Network. You can find, um, our show, the the show is all about, uh, us digging through the works of Neil Gaiman, uh, you know, I think by the time I think right after this episode comes out, uh, we'll be gearing up to discuss. Uh, we're actually getting ready to do uh, on the network the Dark Knight Fortnite, uh, which is two weeks worth of Batman uh, episodes across all our podcasts in uh, in preparation for the release of the Batman on March fourth. So we're going to be, you know, discussing a lot of things uh, for Fable, on Fables and Reflection side. We're uh, we brought on uh, Hans, Mar- Hans Martin Jr. and Steven Angulo from the Real Movie Critic versus the Synagogue podcast to discuss the uh, two-issue story, Whatever Happened to the Caped Crusader, um, which we're pretty big fans of over on that on that podcast. And uh, definitely look out uh, on my t- on my Twitter account, uh, but uh, because uh, sometime after this episode drops. 
uh, there is going to be a bit of an announcement regarding a little comic book podcast that I have hosted in the past that has been on hiatus for a while. It's going to be a little bit of news dropping. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, what I've got going on. Uh, check out CertainPOV.com, where Fables and Reflections is, as well as all other fantastic podcasts. And, yep, that's all I got. And if you do somehow manage to discover JD's little comic book podcast, you may hear a familiar voice on there. I wonder who. Chris Evans. Sure. <laughs> Chris Evans. <laughs> I don't know why I chose the second best Chris. I should have gone with the best Chris. It's Chris Pine. It's actually Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine. Yeah. But... I am not Chris Pine, but you could. But regardless, you can still follow me on Twitter at NobleKind92. You can follow my co-host Black Belt at. This is another running gag. I always forget what year his uh, username ends with. It's Black Belt nineteen ninety eight. Also on Twitter, and if you just wanted to follow the show itself. The show you're listening to right now is called Busted Limes. You were available on all major po- podcast platforms, including Pandora. They're doing podcasts now. Go and chew on that for a sec. And you can follow us on Twitter at Busted Limes Pod, because we didn't want to keep the podcast initials to just BL. Cause problems during Google searches. Let's just leave it at that. But regardless, thank you, JD, for coming on again. Thank you. And thank all of you listeners for Buster Line with us.